Welcome to episode 158 of the Grip Strip Podcast, F1 and IndyCar Time edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host. And as always, I'm with my co host, the former iRacing Indy 500 champion, a computer genius, a gentleman, and a scholar, somebody who might be at St. Pete this weekend. His name is Josh Fine. What's going on, man? And doing great, Phil. And as always, you know, glad to be back on for another week of the show. Uh, you know, of course, we had Cup and Xfinity this past weekend uh, at Fontana, which I somehow got my picks right with Kyle Busch and John Hernemichek both winning uh, and should have bet on it, I guess. But, you know, I'm not really um, caring that I didn't, so it's fine. But it would have been nice to make that little bit of dough on that. But uh, regardless, uh, you know, it's always fun to make those picks. But, yeah, we got IndyCar and Formula 1 coming up, and I – May or may not be at St. Pete. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to go, but uh, make probably make that decision later in the week. Not sure yet uh, what my plans are going to be this weekend. But, um, yeah, of course, glad to be back on the show and yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, we're going to have a busy show this week going through the Cup and Xfinity, as Josh mentioned, where Kyle Busch won in his third start for Richard Childress Racing in the Cup side, and then John Hunter Nemechek wins his third career Xfinity race. Uh, second i think for gibbs so um and solidifies himself in the playoffs very early on so uh we'll get into the points we'll get into what the race what both races were which wasn't a whole hell of a lot of anything but and what we what the thoughts are now that there's a likely at least a year or so maybe year and a half before they reopen if they reopen they've sold a lot of the land within the racetrack and then around the racetrack so what will we see? Will it, is this the end? Finally, the end of Southern SoCal for NASCAR um, because it's been a stop-start kind of thing over the years. Anyway, we will preview both the IndyCar series and the Formula One World Championship uh, this year. There's different topics, of course, a lot to dive into with uh, both series. The roundup will include the Formula E race at Cape Town. The Phillip Island World Superbikes, uh, brief previews of F2, F3, which will also be at Bahrain this coming weekend, and Indy NXT, uh, Indy Lights at St. Petersburg. Then uh, Josh and I will go and make our, we'll preview and make picks for Las Vegas. Um, definitely, I would go and listen to Josh's picks more than mine because I'm generally wrong. Um, Josh will tell us all things going on in iRacing and in the world of gaming in his sim segment, and then we'll close the deal. So let's go with the Cup Series first, the Pala Casino 400 at Auto Club Fontana, California Speedway, and one Kyle Busch started 21st in the race due to the algorithm and uh, led finished second in the second stage led the last 20 laps of the race to earn his first win for Richard Childress Racing and only his third start. I mean, second start of the, I mean, it's only second points race, but third official start for RCR. He's been in position to win the other two races too, so it's not really all that shocking. Uh, William Clyde Elliott II finished second. Uh, Ross Chastain, after starting 33rd, Ross Chastain won both stages. Uh, yesterday led the most laps 91 him and his teammate Daniel Suarez finished third and fourth respectively K 
Kevin Harvick in his last race at California Speedway, finished fifth. Danny Hamlin, sixth. Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, the defending, or no, a former winner at California, eighth. Austin Dillon, ninth. And Joey Logano, defending series champion, finished 10th. Martin Truex finished 11th, and he got stage points. Corey LaJoy had a pretty good day. He was up there for most of the day, um, ran into a couple people, got stage points, finished 14th. Will Byron had stage points in stage one, but had issues later in the day, finished 25th. And Ryan Blaney uh, was second in stage one, but I think both of them are involved in that big wreck uh, later in the race. Uh trying to check the 12 was yeah not the 24 so i don't know what happened to will byron that was around halfway just before halfway there for blaney i took him out and then some of these other guys are behind him had some major issues including my pick kyle larson the defending race winner had serious engine electrical problems and they basically replaced every module they could on that damn thing and sent it back out and it ran chase briscoe's car wasn't running properly for about half the race and then they finally got that fixed and he got up to 20th so there was a bunch of different problems that went on there but the the first thing to look at is kyle bush josh and i mean everybody knew he was going to be motivated everybody knew that he had something to prove he has a chip on his shoulder it's not like he hasn't had one anyways his whole entire effing career but now going to RCR, taking over a team with a team that won three races last year with Tyler Reddick. They're the same team, same spot or all that. The only thing that changed is they got arguably one of the greatest drivers in NASCAR history. Coming into a program and into a team that has been on the back foot for many years, Reddick was kind of like the first piece of actually getting them back to relevancy. But now, since Harvick, but now they have that guy. And Kyle Busch winning this early in the season, um, I said it a couple weeks ago, I might have said it last week for the 500, that it has all the makings of 2008 to me when he went to Gibbs. He won in his third, fourth start at Gibbs, at Atlanta, with counting the uh, the, the shootout uh, or clash or whatever the hell it was called at that point, and then was running up front in other races prior to that. And he went on to win eight races that year. But I don't know what he's going to do this year, but to go out there, uh, beat the best car, which was Ross Chastain for a good amount of the day, good pit stops by the A crew, which is not, which was not surprising. And to get that lead and hold it for the last 20 laps of that race, holding off uh, Elliott is pretty big for Kyle Busch, pretty big for RCR. And it, I would say it's a pretty ominous sign for a lot of this field. Uh, Josh, in terms of what may come from that, uh, what what do you what do you think about the race yesterday and uh, Kyle Busch coming through with that victory? I mean, it's not really surprising, you know, considering uh, what Kyle Busch you know has has been motivated to do this whole off season, and considering finished well in the Clash, you know, got second there, uh, was in position to win the Daytona 500. And now you know, the floodgate is open now with uh, a victory here at Fontana um, where he won his first career race and now wins the last career race or the last uh, official race uh, on the big track there, uh, which you know, I'll bring up in a minute. But um, got it done. The number eight car you know, last year, of course, dominated this race until Tyler Reddick fell out the race. And then this year they basically brought back the same car. And, uh, you know, I think they probably had a lot of help 
with uh, the rain uh, and the weather taking over uh, during weekend canceling you know all practice and qualifying because um, I think probably if that had happened you know maybe teams could have uh, done a little bit of work and adjustments uh, and maybe caught up to the eight car in terms of speed but you know on Sunday I mean from the drop of the green flag uh, the number eight Kyle Busch was really uh, fast from the get-go and um, they overcame a penalty in the middle of it too so you know they were able to get back into the uh, top five and you know they battled Ross Chastain throughout you know most of the um, you know three quarters of that race and you know they were the only two drivers that could really you know get away from the field and then you know at the end of the day Kyle Busch after the you know the final couple of uh, pit stops he was able to get uh, back into the lead and and you know blow him out of the water there so uh at least this week i didn't have to deal with any uh late cautions you know which has happened a couple of times in the past at uh acs but you know definitely a thoroughly dominating win for uh him uh and uh, starts off you know the year on a good note and yeah i think i mean i don't know how many wins he'll get this year but i can probably see at least you know another three wins so at least four wins overall for him uh to start off the year so yeah, great, great start, you know, as said for Kyle Busch. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, I was listening to Hamlin's podcast earlier and they were talking about the engines and um, apparently RCR has the best engines now, which is really interesting because, you know, I think for many years on the big tracks, you know, on the two mile, two and a half miles, it's always been uh, Hendrick Motorsports, I think, that's always had kind of the, the best in terms of horsepower. And it seems like maybe the tides have shifted and RCR is now the best and uh that department so we'll have to see how that holds up throughout you know the rest of the year but i thought that was an interesting footnote there but yeah i think the rest of the field you know i think ross chastain he was also uh there uh throughout the race and you know i think they're going to continue off from you know where they uh were in 2022 so expect to see him probably get a win here pretty you know pretty soon if not you know in the next race we'll see but uh yeah i think they did pretty well as well um, you know, Hamlin was up there and, uh, I think Alex Bowman had a good run as well. Chase Elliott, of course, finished second and, uh, ended up, you know, coming out through a, um, you know, small, uh, run towards the end, was able to get up towards, you know, up towards the front, uh, get past Ross Chastain. So, uh, yeah, Hendrick, Trackhouse, uh, and Gibbs, they all had pretty good runs overall for, uh, their team. And then, you know, I think Childress overall, you know, they got Kyle Busch, uh, you know, of course, winning the race, but then I think, um, you know, on the flip side of it, you know, you have to wonder how much longer uh, for somebody like Austin Dillon, you know, how much longer they're going to say, I'm happy for my teammate, you know, until he starts to not feel happy about the success, even though he finished ninth, but, you know, eventually he's going to, you know, start to wonder about, you know, when, when can he win more races than what he usually does. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. And then uh, another fact to Kyle Busch winning the race uh, here, it's the first time since uh, Dale Earnhardt that a former cup champion uh, has won a race for Richard Childress racing. Uh, You know, of course we had Kevin Harvick, who's cup champion now, but, you know, he wasn't a cup champion when he drove for Childress, um, the most successful driver, I think, in, in that uh, team uh, in that period since Earnhardt until now, so that's a interesting nugget there. So yeah, of course uh, Kyle Busch, yeah, getting out, winning this race, and yeah, I definitely see him winning a bunch more races later on this year. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, I would say that that's a very accurate call, Josh. I mean, I, with this next the Gen 7 car, there's a lot more parity. So maybe some of these teams can just stay with them. I mean, obviously, Trackhouse is there still. Hendrick Gibbs, Stuart Haas, at least with uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, Penske. So, I mean, there are a lot of teams up there. Um, and so there, there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, Brad Keselowski ends up getting a top 10 finish last year. He struggled for a good part of the season and on maybe late in the year, last quarter of the year was where it started to turn around for the six car. The 17 car was better generally across the majority of the year. And then they of course got that win. Uh, I mean, Chastain winning both stages, not surprising. He did well there last year. Uh, Josh brought up, of course, with Kyle Busch driving Reddick's, the car that Reddick was driving last year. They led the most laps, I think, last year as well. Logano uh, trying to win at one of Roger Penske's old tracks. They are Bowman trying to win again at California. Hamlin, Blaney getting involved in that restart incident uh, on lap 88. That um, that basically uh, cost him any chance. He was looking good earlier in the day. Uh, so in terms of, yeah, and Tyler Reddick was take, taken out in that wreck. So he was done early. The 23-11 team had a brutal day. I mean, Reddick gets involved in that wreck. Bubba Wallace has an engine issue. And so those two guys really got got screwed over. Uh, you had some other issues for some of these other guys. I mean, Penske outside of Logano had a rough day. SHR outside of Kevin Harvick, it was pretty brutal. Ryan Priest got involved in the wreck or involved in that same restart wreck. And then uh, along with Eric Almarola. And then I mentioned Briscoe having engine problems for a good part of the day, and uh, they had took a while for them to fix it. So that's something to look at. We'll see what, what comes of that. I mean, early in the season, giving up a lot of points, it's not great. It puts more emphasis on them, of course, going and winning uh, because that's the way to kind of fix the issue with the points in general. So we'll get into those points. Right now, the current point standings has Ross Chastain, overall points leader, over Joey Logano by a point, Alex Bowman third, Kevin Harvick fourth, Daniel Suarez fifth, Chris Buescher in sixth, and Richard and Kyle Busch are seventh and eighth in points, and they're both, of course, the two winners so far this year. Hamlin and Keselowski round out the top ten. The bump spot at the moment is Michael McDowell, uh, two points ahead of Keebler, Gumby, Keebler and Gumby, and then five points ahead of A.J. Adderallmendinger, Harrison Burton, Todd Gilland, who at this point does not have a full season ride. I mean, even Cody wears in it at the moment. So people that are on the back foot at the moment, Tyler Reddick has four points through two races. Um, Even Ty Dillon, who blew up at uh, Daytona 30 laps into the race, has more points. Reese, Briscoe, Eric Jones, um, Justin Haley, William Byron. Uh, I would venture to say anybody that's, uh, I mean, Larson's in 24th right now, early in the season with his mechanical problems from last, from yesterday. Uh, a bunch of the SA, also three of three of the four SHR cars are are up against it early in the season. So that's something to look at as they go to Las Vegas uh, this coming weekend. If some of these teams can kind of turn it around, put something uh, together. Uh, We'll get into the Xfinity Production Alliance Group 300, the last official race on the Big Oval at, at Fontana, and saw 
John Hunter Nemechek take the victory. He was he, he did well in the second stage, finished second in stage two, uh, got stage points in both stages, led six times for 49 laps and gets his first win of the year, locks himself into the playoffs. Sam Mayer, Justin Allgaier, Chandler Smith, Josh Berry, after a wild day for Josh Berry, gets a top five finish. Austin Hill follows up his Daytona win with a top 10 finish. And sixth, Riley Herbst, Austin Dillon, who had a part in affecting the official result uh finished eighth brett moffitt ninth and parker kligerman finished 10th uh daniel hemrick who's basically on one knee his right knee he got some sort of issue um injury from working out finished 12th those the person sandwiched in between those two is freaking joe graf jr uh i guess the mf can drive somewhat uh trying to see uh, who else sammy smith finished third in stage two but finished 19th in the race sheldon creed had stage points was in the was up front but then got spun off i forget who spun him out and cole custer uh, who was involved in an incident with uh, the Ty Dill- or I mean for Austin Dillon and Sammy Sm- and, and Joe Graff Jr. Uh, after leading the good majority of the first part of the race, uh, won both stages, but ends up finishing 27. I mean, you picked, uh, you ended up making this pick as well, Josh, with John Hunter Nemechek. It's a it's a track where Gibbs has had great success, of course, over the years. Harrison Burton won his first career race there. Kyle Busch has won there a bunch of times. Tony Stewart won in, in a Joe Gibbs Toyota in the Xfinity Series there back in 2008. So it kind of just goes across the board. But John Hunter Nemechek going and getting that victory and getting it out of the way early in the season is a positive sign. It, it kind of seems like a couple of years ago in the trucks where he's coming in and he's, he's trophy hunting. Well, I think he's going to have an opportunity to get a lot of trophies. Now, the one thing he didn't do in the truck series that year was close the deal. Can he close the deal this year? We're early in the season, but he's given himself uh, a chance to start preparing for that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I mean, to explain my pick here first, I'm, I mean, I think I just really looked at the history of Joe Gibbs racing at this racetrack. And honestly, I thought John Hunter Nemechek won in the truck series at uh, this racetrack, but they haven't raced at Fontana in a long time in the truck series. So that one's out the window. But I mean, he seemed pretty good at the bigger tracks in the truck series as well. So maybe there's the thinking there. But um, yeah, I mean, he came out and uh, did pretty good at this race. And obviously he won and now only his third career victory uh, in the uh, Xfinity series and qualified for the playoffs. Uh, so uh, first time ever in, in his career, um, he qualified for the playoffs this early. Uh, but, you know, he uh, definitely uh, was pretty dominant in this race. And, you know, I think um, it shows uh, what he can do in good equipment and really good equipment, of course, with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. But, you know, he definitely uh, was able to, um, get out in front and you know he battled uh, Sam Mayer at the end and I think he just had a little bit better handle and clean air at the end I think Sam could have gotten there if he tried a little bit different line but uh, you know he basically both of them followed the same type of line the last you know 10 15 laps of the race and uh, Mayer wasn't really able, able to ever close with you know greater than or you know less than uh, half a second so John Hunter is able to basically gotten and get out and get the win but uh, interesting fact is you know he wins the last official race on the two mile configuration and his dad john or 
Joe Nemechek goes out and win, won the pole uh, at the first ever Auto Club uh, 500 or California 500 back in 1997. So interesting footnote there. And I think you know John Hunter Nemechek was only a couple months old, a couple weeks old when he uh, when that happened. So interesting, you know how that uh, all works out. And you know John Hunter, uh, I think he's going to be a successful driver here in the Xfinity Series and. You know, possibly could have a cup ride in line for him with you know, either 2311 or Gibbs uh, if a seat opens up or something like that. But yeah, I mean, this uh, this race is pretty wild. Um, maybe, I don't say wild, but I mean, in terms of cautions, I mean, there was 10 cautions and I mean, you saw, you know, a bunch of cautions, you know, Justin Allgaier uh, got into it, you know, for, or well, yeah, he, he didn't get into it, but uh, he fell lap down, got his lap back, and then uh, got stage points. Josh Berry spun out. Uh, you saw Sheldon Creed have a wild save that should have been a crash and uh, everything. Uh, Brandon Jones spun out as well. Then, um, you know, you had Cole Custer, of course, get into it, who I think probably could have uh, won this race if it weren't for that incident, you know, led 46 laps. Um think he was up there with uh john hunter but uh after that you know issue didn't have the same you know result after that even though he uh you know was lapped down so yeah definitely unfortunate for cole custer early bid uh for the title you know after um you know uh being in cup for a few years and um everything and then of course we had a uh last caution with you know 12 laps to go which kind of interrupted the you know final uh, green flag, you know, run. Well, of course we had the 43 spin out too. So that was a uh, kind of interrupted final pit stops and the strategy and everything. And Austin Dillon was out front for a bit. Then 43 spins out, uh, with, you know, 20 laps to go. And then, uh, Sam, uh, Sammy Smith, uh, Austin Hill, uh, Sheldon Creed accident on the back stretch and everything on, on that ensuing restart. So yeah, definitely a, bit of a, a lot more incidents i think than uh in the cup series but you know i think both both those races really you know came down to uh who had the best car at the end of the day and um i think john Hunter Nemechek you know definitely had best car uh you know at the end of the day in in that race but um yeah i mean it's a on the topic of you know fontana you know last race ever in the two mile configuration um certainly unfortunate um and i mean kind of a segue into that r- real quick but you know unfortunately it's the last race and of course i mean there's a lot of money involved in the land sale like half a million or half a billion dollars so of course they're going to take the money and everything but uh we'll see what happens if they even build the short track uh, there's a lot of uh regulations it seems like there's at the local level the local government in that area so see if they even are even able to build it uh if nascar wants to stay committed to that area but yeah unfortunate that's the last uh two races on the big oval one of the best tracks i think in nascar in my opinion kind of similar to homestead but you know it is what it is so we'll see we'll see how they go from there um but yeah i think uh it was a two great two great events to go out with uh you know, in, in this race. So yeah, that's, that's my thought on, you know, the whole weekend, I guess, with California and, um, you know, with the two races that we had there this weekend. Yeah. And having, having, uh, all the crazy weather we've had in recent days and there was snow in LA, 
uh, on Saturday, snow, rain, and I don't know how many other different things, and that canceled all the activities on Saturday. They were able to get everything in on Sunday. It was kind of a dull, uh, dreary day, uh, but the track, there was a lot more grip, so it really didn't allow as much uh, multi-groove racing outside of the first couple of laps after restart. Uh, but you know in the grand scheme of things it was a good track there were good races in its later years initially it probably wasn't the greatest racetrack uh it was definitely an indycar track more than a nascar track uh in recent years i think with the gen six and now the gen seven car i think it became a little better the xfinity cars being a little racier with more horsepower and less downforce uh, probably played a role in that as well um if they had been able to run in the day it might have been a little better but unfortunate we'll see what happens it's going to take a while for them to reconfigure this track if it happens if not it doesn't sound like there's much of a commitment to the likes of an Irwindale or a Kern County Speedway or something like that uh, unless one of these entities whether it is NASCAR themselves or um, SMI come in to try to help uh, or work with them Uh, so that's an unfortunate loss but then it's kind of plays it's it's kind of what la is you know they do have two nfl teams but they don't barely draw for either of them their basketball teams are whatever and i mean the fans generally in that area i mean i my former co-host adam was there when we did whatever we did nascast and what's it called speed week he was there but you know, and they said it was a sellout. And I'm thinking, well, if they had those sellouts back in the day, maybe we're not in this situation either um, in terms of having to go and basically destroy a track. Um, they had a good thing with IndyCar as well, but their dates never really seemed to fit. So that also kind of blew up, even though their last IndyCar race they had there was probably one of the craziest, coolest races they ever had uh, with Green Rehaul uh, winning it. Uh, speaking of Green Rehaul and um, other people, we'll now transition into the IndyCar series and the uh, the preview for that. It's gonna. It's an interesting year for sure. Uh, Twenty-seven full-time cars in the IndyCar series and so that's there's a lot of stuff going on with that you know now they're gonna they they have made other changes you have renewable shell fuel uh for the cars for all the race for all the cars so that's a new change or working on some other aspects of the car they're going to be doing a hybrid um aspect to it next year so even though it's the same chassis which is pretty weak but it is what it is um i'm trying to go through here yeah you got the advanced auto parts checkered flag now so something uh go through here uh get into the drivers i mean last year of course we saw will power win his second championship and uh was really steady through the whole entire year and uh it he had and Joseph Newgarden was his closest competitor. Penske was dominant for sure. Scotty McLaughlin uh, had a a great year in his second season in the IndyCar series. So there's definitely, uh, there was a lot that took place there. A lot of wins for the Penske organization. Scott Dixon got in there trying to win his seventh championship. And Alex Pillow won the last race of the year, but otherwise had kind of a interesting uh, title defense. Marcus Erickson won Indy, which basically was why he was in that mix there. All these players are back. 
Alex Pillow, we don't know where he's going to be next year. I kind of figure he's going to McLaren, but Dixon is still, Scott Dixon, Will Power is still at, and he's got uh, Verizon back, and uh, they don't seem to want to leave. So he's going to be around as long as he wants to. And uh, Newgarden, of course, trying to get that third championship, trying to get Indy on his mantle, uh, along with Scotty McLaughlin, of course, both of them. The Bus Bros, definitely one of them wants to win this Indy 500 for Roger Penske at his house, literally now. Uh, I guess we'll go from there first. We'll talk about Penske first, Josh. Um, They dominated last year. Will Power had a great year on his way to the championship. He only won once, but... Uh, finished had a 5.9 average finish and he had a 7.6 average start which is literally only what is it it was fourth was the fourth best starting average so when you're up front every race basically and you're you're consistently scoring points it's very hard to beat you especially in a full season championship and will power has never general hasn't generally been known to be that kind of guy but he showed that change last year uh does this new year kind of fit the same way? Are we looking at a repeat for him? Does Joseph Newgarden come around after the last few years finishing second and get over the hump? Or can Scotty McLaughlin go out there and win his first IndyCar championship uh, in 2023? I mean, it's pretty tough to say because I think they're all, all three of them are really good. But I think if I had to pick, I'd, I had to pick between uh, – Will Power and Joseph Newgarden out of those three to be the best, you know, out, out of the organization. And I think, you know, for Will Power, I think he's had a change of, um, you know, perspective in the, the last couple of years. And I think last year, um, you kind of saw a change in his mindset throughout the year. And, you know, he became a lot more consistent, like you said, and didn't have as many of the blow ups or the meltdowns uh, like he had in previous years and managed to stay the course throughout the entire season. And, you know, even though he won one race of course, won the championship, uh, Joseph Newgarden was right there with him for most of the year, but uh, just didn't have enough points at the end of the day. And you know, I think, I think Newgarden with the amount of wins that he had uh, last year, he had five wins, uh, which definitely, you know, should have, should have been up there uh, to win the, you know, potentially win the title and, that's a that's a opportunity that you know you want to uh, make the most out of, and I think uh, going into this season, I think he's going to be a little bit more hungrier to you know try to go out and win the title uh, for Team Penske and get another title. Um, I think he's definitely the guy that will challenge uh, Will Power. Uh, it's just going to come down to you know, being able to. Uh, win at multiple tracks. I think it's going to be, you know, a tough schedule and especially with, you have some changes at other organizations that I think are going to be more competitive. Uh, it's definitely going to be a um, challenge for him this year, but I think, I think based on what he did last year, I think he can easily go up against uh, willpower. I think really it's just going to come down to, you know, being able to uh, get points at the, you know, Indianapolis, you know, last year, I think that was his worst, uh, race overall in the year, the Indianapolis Grand Prix, and then the Indy 500. I think those two tracks. So, you know, if you can have a good month of May, and then also 
not have any DNFs. We saw how much the crash that he had at Iowa in the second race, how much that affected him. Of course, he won the uh, first race at Iowa the previous day, and then on the second day he was leading and, and crashed in that race. So if uh, he doesn't have that happen, I think you know if he stays uh, mistake-free and doesn't have any DNFs, I think we could easily see uh, Joseph Newgarden be a uh, you know, three-time Indy uh, car champion uh, at the end of the year over his, uh, or at least be better in points uh, overall than his teammate Will Power. Yeah, and I think it's going to be definitely those three guys are going to be up there from this week at St. Petersburg. All three have won there. McLaughlin's a defending race winner. New Gardens won there a couple of years ago. Powers won there before. So uh, that'll be something to look at for sure. But Penske, of course, when you talk about IndyCar racing, it's Penske versus Ganassi. And I did mention Scott Dixon, the six-time IndyCar champion. He went and uh, passed Mario Andretti for uh, total wins last year, which is uh, pretty epic. And uh, now, I mean, he's trying for that. That seventh championship, he let uh, a likely Indy 500 win go by a rare mistake, and he's been qualifying on pole for the Indy 500 the last few years. He's just not been able to close that, which is weird considering how great Scott Dixon is. Uh, Ganassi has put a good emphasis on Indy in recent years, and that's shown especially in qualifying, but... Dixon, two out of the last, what, three years, he's had a chance to win the Indy 500. He got passed late by Takuba Sato in 2020 and then last year. So, but he also wants to keep on winning races and he wants to win another championship. Alex Pillow is kind of in limbo this year. There's been sponsorship changes. Um, NTT Data left the team. They've moved over to McLaren, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, but he's back. Uh, after winning the last race in dominant fashion. Then you have uh, Marcus Erickson, the defending Indy 500 winner, trying to compete for a championship here, finished sixth last year um, in the championship, as I mentioned, the year before he finished sixth in the championship as well. So he's pretty consistent that way, and he has been winning for this team, even though the sponsor he has doesn't exist here in the United States. And then they have a fourth car, which will be, was the Jimmy Johnson car last couple of years, but now uh, is going to be number 11. That'll be driven by a Formula 2 driver for last year's Marcus Armstrong for the majority of the season. And then on the ovals, it will be Takuma Sato, who is, of course, trying to go for a third Indy 500 win uh, amongst whatever, however many ovals there are this year. I think two, they have the Iowa doubleheader, you have Gateway and Texas. So that's five, yeah. So he's he's on the same kind of plan as uh, Ed Carpenter. And uh, Takuma Sato's reduced his uh, commitment, at least for now, to the ovals. And he will have a great chance to possibly add a third Indy 500 win to his mantle for a third different team, nonetheless, because he won for Andretti and Ray Hall, his first two wins. So that would be something uh, for the stats. Now, looking at Ganassi, Josh, I mean, they, they they were definitely behind the Penske team in general, but you look at the points... They were the the closest running group there. They were third, fifth, and sixth. So Ganassi, of course, he he likes winners, and Scott Dixon has been his most prolific winner, I think, in the history of his organization. Uh, he doesn't seem to age. Uh, does what does he have to do this year? Uh, I I mean, I 
kind of have an idea of what he really needs to change or adjust so that he can get through and get that seven championship a little easier. Um, what are you looking at for Scott Dixon? And does Alex Pillow, uh, whatever his contract situation is for 2024, come back and have a, a season more like his championship winning year in 2021? Uh, and is this, or, or does Marcus Erickson have a chance? Is this his time? Can he finally win a championship uh, after however many years he's been, I think three, four years in the IndyCar series? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can take that one i think starting off with uh scott dixon uh i mean we've seen what he can do over the years and he's always been consistent uh throughout you know his his time in the indycar series and he's always stayed cool under pressure that's why they call him the ice man uh but i think he's just gotta he's just always had the last you know last year at least if he doesn't speed at the Indy 500, he probably has a better chance uh, at winning the title. Um, so, I I mean, it's like what I said for uh, Joseph Newgarden. It just really comes down to being consistent throughout the uh, entire season. There's always going to be one race when you look back when you don't win the title. There's always going to be one or two races that uh, you look at that, oh, if we had finished in that race better or if we had uh, not crashed or whatever, we would have won the championship. And uh, I think... You know, last year, like you said, it, uh, all along the past, you know, several months, if if he had not made that speeding penalty, he probably wins the Indy 500 and probably propels him to uh, IndyCar championship. And I think just really have to you know be consistent throughout the entire year and just have uh, a lot of uh, good pace. And uh, you know, I think it would help to also be able to have good qualifying pace throughout the year. Um, they've they've been you know good on ovals, I think. But I think they also need a little bit more pace on on the road courses, and I think that's kind of where Penske seems to have them beat overall as a team. Uh, for um, I think maybe even Honda overall, but I think at least Ganassi, that's I think maybe where they need to improve uh, to be able to compete against Penske. But um, I think the rest of the guys for uh, Ganassi, I think with Alex Pelot. Yeah, he's in a bit of a limbo right now because he's not going to be driving for them much longer. You know, he'll be at McLaren in 2024, and uh, definitely uh, it's kind of a interesting year um, where he's kind of the sitting duck in that organization, kind of just there uh, because uh, they couldn't get settled on a you know on a deal within everything with McLaren, and now he's uh, kind of just driving that car of course now has a interesting sponsorship situation as well so i think you know for polo uh as long as he doesn't have any controversies uh i think it would probably be a good year for him in terms of that but you know i think it would not be surprised if he like late in the season has a lot of struggles and you know it becomes pretty evident that you know he's pretty much given up or i wouldn't say him given up but you know it there's pretty obvious that you know they don't really have much to race for in you know later on the year if they're out of the title contention but he's still proven himself before as an IndyCar champion so we'll see if he's able to uh, perform better on some of these uh, tracks that he didn't perform as good as last year you know can he uh, improve at the Indy 500 can you know he be better on oval racing um, and balance out with you know, some of what he's been able to do on road and street courses uh, throughout the start of his career. So that's kind of what I look at for Alex Blow. I mean, it's kind of an interesting situation there. Uh, I think Marcus Erickson, 
of course, with him already winning the Indy 500 last year, you know, could he repeat again? Certainly possible. Uh, but I think you know, overall he's kind of had, you know, even though he, if you look at from when he won uh, in 21 at Nashville, going all the way to, I think, yeah, the 2020 Indy 500, he was one of the best in terms of points uh, scored uh, for that organization. But I think, you know, I think throughout the rest of the year, I think you noticed, or at least I noticed a little bit of a fall off after the Indy 500 in terms of consistency and, um, you know, had, had a couple of races where they weren't really competitive. Um, of course, Nashville last year, they weren't really competitive. That was his worst race, uh, after winning the Indy 500 and, um, didn't have a um seemed like he was more towards the back half of the top 10 you know in terms of his finishes uh, in, in this series and of course you know had the early uh, season issue at long beach and didn't uh, finish the race there so i think that's also uh one that you have to look at in terms of his year last year and i think if you know they can improve in terms of finishing more races closer to the podium rather than kind of being towards the back half of the top 10 um like they were for a lot of the second half of the year that's something that they they've got to improve on so uh, i think think out of all the, the those three guys uh polo dixon and marcus erickson they're full-time for the entire year i think uh he's got a lot to improve on um even as an indy 500 winner but um he doesn't have a title like the rest of his two teammates there uh, and then of course with the other his other two teammates and Marcus Armstrong to Kumasato. I mean, we've heard a lot about him, Marcus Armstrong, just being really good on the um, road road course races, and he's definitely um, somebody um, that could be competitive uh, in that car uh, in 2023. So, I mean, look out look out for him to be up, you know, someone that could compete for top tens and maybe sneak a podium or two in there uh, throughout. Uh, the rest of the year so we'll see there and then of course uh sato uh i mean it's pretty clear he's very much on the back end of his career uh and now is only competing on ovals so we'll see you know what he's able to do uh, in terms of you know being able to compete at the indy 500 if he can go for another uh victory uh in this race it'd be his third one which be a pretty elite list and then he'd you know have another shot to be uh, a four-time winner like elio did a couple years ago so uh, we'll see if he's able to um, compete at the Indy 500 this year, and then you know, if he can do things at you know at Texas and Iowa, and then you know later on at at Gateway. You know he's one of the best in terms of uh, racecraft, I think, in the IndyCar series when it comes to oval racing. And we've seen what he's able to do. Um, you know, early on he was a, more of a bonsai move guy, and now kind of a um, you know he knows how to get things done at the end of the race. So yeah, we'll see what happens, uh, but. I think Ganassi, you know, if they can overall, if they can improve on their consistency throughout the year, I think uh, the shot of the title versus uh, Penske. Yeah, I mean the it's it's really the with with the Ganassi team, it's a lot about what Dixon can do. Um, you're, I agree with the fact that being a lame duck, it's going to be hard for Polo to really go and do anything. Um, so it might destabilize the team in a sense. Now they're trying to figure out, oh, who is going to drive that car in 24? They've been testing guys. You have Armstrong in the fold. They have other F2 guys they've been looking at. Uh, they also tested Nick Cassidy, the former Super Formula champion. That's where they got Alex Pillow. 
well, I mean, he drove for coin and then moved to Ganassi, but that's where he came from. So that would be a, a, a good move. I would think for Ganassi, if they went with somebody like a Nick Cassidy um, to come in IndyCar. But I mean, what do we really see there? You know, I think outside of Dixon, Marcus Erickson is not really, he's had his moments, but it's not been every race. And in this championship, you need to be up there every race. Power showed that last year. Um, DNFs are really bad. Uh, and that's essentially what did Joseph Newgarden in uh, the mistake, of course, for Dixon at Indy when you had double points last year. That won't be the case this year. Uh, made a big, played a big part in his uh, situation for the championship as well. I'm curious what that fourth car will be like, how Armstrong will assimilate into IndyCar after uh, being an F2 for a while. Um, not being able to make it the Formula One, um, how he'll do there. And Takuma Sato, I think, will be a, a force uh, at every race that he shows up to because that's just who he is. It's Takuma Sato. So we move on from Penske and Ganassi, and then I guess we go to the next best team, which is the McLaren team because the drivers that finished seventh, eighth, and ninth in points are all McLaren drivers now. Uh, that's Pato Award. Alexander Rossi, the new hire, and Felix Rosenquist. Uh, both the uh, Pato Award and Rosenquist finishing in the top five of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, Award won two races last year. And Rossi finally got back uh, on the top step of the, po- of the podium last year in his final year for Andretti. Consistency, I mean, qualifying Pato is great in that. Uh, but he was giving up in certain areas. And uh, right now, I mean, they're that next team. You think about Penske, you think about Ganassi. For a long time, Andretti used to be that third team. Now, honestly, with all the commitments and all the money and all the energy that's being put into this effort, three-car organization, the basically the next the Chevy, the secondary Chevy team with McLaren. They've also committed to Kyle Larson for two years at the Indianapolis 500 starting in 24. Um, He'll be testing for them at some point this year. Then he'll be running Indy for two years at at the McLaren team. Uh, That seat, the fourth seat at McLaren will be um, held at Indy by one Antoine Canaan, who is announcing his retirement now i don't buy it really it's i mean he's like one of them it's kind of got that brett favor aa ron kind of feel to it where he's going to retire but he's going to come back deal and when you're as good as he is at indy and you're getting good rides you finished on the podium last year why would you quit um yeah he was he was reminiscing about california because he won his indy lights championship back there back in 1997 i believe and then he uh won his last indy car race in the 10 car uh, at acs i think it was 2015 so uh for in terms of the mclaren team i i would focus more on award not just because he's my favorite driver but the fact is he's the guy he's been the guy for that organization they put all their energy to him now uh third full year with this team or fourth full year, I think maybe I have to just give me a second here. I'll go through that. Um, I mean, he's been, yeah, it's his third full year or fourth full year, starting his fourth full year with the organization. Um, you know, and that's the, the, he's won races last two races, each of the last two years, um, in 2021, it was good enough for him. His, his performance was good enough for him to finish third in points last year. He, uh, 
he fell out of, or he was running out of finish of 14, 17 races. So he fell out of three and only finished on a lead lap of 12 of them. That's probably part of the reason why it didn't work out so well. But if there is somebody I think is that person that could go out there and get into that Penske and Ganassi battle, I think Patricio Award is that guy. Uh, And it's not personal bias. It's just a reality. He has that ability. He has a killer instinct. He wants it bad enough. Zach Brown has him in that flagship car for a reason. Um, You would think IndyCar would have the foresight to go and run in Mexico since he is of Mexican descent and he grew up in Texas, but then they race at that dump, uh, that garbage oval. Um, Instead of destroying ACS, they should destroy Texas and bury it into the 200 feet into the ground. Um, But is it Pato's? I think personally to me, I think if there's anybody that could really contend outside of Scott Dixon and all those Penske guys. I think the next best driver right now would be Pato Award, Josh. And I also believe that the motivation that Alexander Rossi has to kind of prove he he still has it and going into a new organization, a fresh start, maybe somewhat of a Formula One feel, which he comes from the European uh, Formula racing. I mean, Logan Sargent, which we'll mention here in a little bit, uh, is, is the first American driver since Alexander Rossi. So, and of course, Rosenquist has been around, and I think he's the one that's on the hot seat again, knowing that Palo is likely going to move over there. So um, what are your thoughts on the McLaren team for 2023, Josh? Um, and and especially the prospects for Pato Award uh, to take that next step in his career and get that championship the way he's been able to win championships in the Road to Indy program prior. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting year for McLaren. I think they have a better shot this year of winning an IndyCar title than they do a Formula One title, but uh, that's just me. Uh, I think... Paddle Award, yeah, he's definitely shown what he can do over the last couple of years. They were a little bit off last year at the beginning of the season, but then, um, you know, they corrected a little bit, although they still finished a little bit low in points. Uh, you know, they collected two wins. You know, they, they won at uh, Birmingham or, or at uh, Barber Motorsports Park at the beginning of the year, and then were the uh, benefits of Joseph Newgarden uh, crashing out uh, at Iowa. So, uh, he's definitely somebody I think that can definitely com- uh, contend, and we saw what they were able to do at uh, at 2021 when they finished in second in the championship or third place in the championship. And you know he's definitely uh, got a lot of talent uh, behind the wheel. And he, you know I think you know, he's definitely someone who show what they can do in um, in an Indy car and compete against uh, Penske and Ganassi and. I think really it's just going to come down to reliability issues and how many times last year did they have issues they had issues at mid ohio where he should have probably won that race you know being honest led 28 laps was on the pole and then had an issue with uh, the fueling system or uh road america had an issue with the engine uh with a couple you know with less than 10 laps to go in that race uh, had an issue or well crashed out at nashville last year so uh, I think you know he has a lot to improve on in terms of consistency there, but the pace and I think the desire to win's all right there. So you know I think if you know, they just give him a good car this year, and I mean they mostly had a good car, but it just had a couple of issues, and it's hard to you know compete for a championship um, in a series that's really competitive and hard to win when you have 
double DNFs back to back, uh, with like they had at Road America in Mid Ohio. So looking at that, I mean, it's you got to be able to not have those issues and come out and win the championship uh, for Paddle Awards. So uh, you know they have the ability. I think they just need just a little bit more and of course finished second in the Indy 500. So, uh, I definitely think, you know, McLaren is right there with, uh, Ganassi in terms of pace at the Indy 500. And I think they definitely have a shot to win that race. You know, if, if they have just enough speed to, you know, be able to pass in the final lap and turn one, I think, you know, they'll be able to do it. So, uh, yeah, paddle award, of course. Yeah. Definitely look at him as the, you know, number one challenger, uh, to, anybody in Penske and Ganassi this year in you know, terms of points, in terms of pace and race, race victories, I think he's the guy. And then as far as Rossi, you know, this is kind of him resurrecting his career um, in a way. I mean, had a couple of bad years at Andretti, uh, you know, started off, you know, pretty good with him at Andretti, of course, you know, winning the Indy 500 in 2016, the 100th running there and 2017, 2018, you know, part of 2019, he was right there, but then kind of fell off in 2020 and then 21 and 22, he wasn't there. And uh, for Rossi, you know, even though he won last year, wasn't all that great until, you know, kind of the end of the year. And so look for Rossi to try to uh, prove himself again that, you know, he can be a top driver in this series and compete for podiums and race wins. So we know what he can do behind a race car. It's just, you know, a matter of, him having the right chemistry and the team being able to fill field him a, a good car on a week to week basis, uh, unlike what he had at Andretti. And, you know, I think he also probably, you know, at the end of his time at Andretti probably had issues with teammates, of course, Colton Herta and Rowan Grosjean, of course, but you know, now, you know, he's got two new guys and he's also the older guy. So he has guys, two guys that are younger him that, um, he can lead and, um, give, you know, mentorship and advice. So there's also that part. And I think that'll help him improve his game. Uh, so I, I mean, I look for him to also challenge, but uh, I, I still, you know, being just being the new guy, maybe he may not have as much uh, results as uh, a word, but he's definitely still be up there, I think. And then, you know, with uh, Felix Rosenquist, I mean, not too high on him, really. Um, I think, you know, he's won before, but I think he's just kind of there uh, in, you know, re- relevant to, uh, in, relevance to uh rossi and uh award but you know definitely uh he can compete for wins in the right opportunity but it just seems like those opportunities aren't uh as often as what you'd expect um for you know somebody that is driving for a top organization um and remember you know in 2022 with the mix-up with mclaren and uh ganassi with pelot well uh, you know, they're looking at, well, where, where would he go and fill in a seat there? Well, either they have a fourth car next year in 24 for Polo, or they bump, um, Rosenquist to Formula E or something like, I think they were going to do until they uh, couldn't settle with, uh, Polo until 24. So ultimately I think Rosenquist, you know, even though he signed, he resigned for IndyCar this year, I think at some point he might get booted from that seat and they'll keep him in house and potentially send him to, you know, something like Formula E or wherever. But, um, you know, as long as he doesn't like completely, you know, be terrible, I think he'll be okay this year. And, you know, maybe he can still get a top 10 points finish, but I just don't see him being that competitive in comparison to his teammates. So it's going to be interesting, you know, this year for McLaren. I think they do have the pace overall to, you know, 
challenge with Penske and Ganassi and we'll see what they're able to do at the Indy 500. And then, yeah, like you said, with uh, Kyle Larson, they're committing to him for two years, not just one. So it's going to be interesting uh, with Larson coming in for the Indy 500 only for two years, what that's going to do to the team and uh, give them more chances, I guess, in the future, even though we're talking about what they're able to do in 23. I think his presence there will probably help them as he's probably going to be doing some testing this year. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that dynamic is next year. But, you know, I think because that news came out today, I think, you know, that's a good point to bring up here. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what they're able to do this year. But, you know, I look at them uh, as, you know, potentially being a potential, you know, challenger to the rest of the uh, big teams in this series. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I mean, we look at those big teams and another big team that, I mean, you mentioned them because it's Alexander Rossi's moving over from there is Andretti Autosport. Now I've been spending the last couple of days on the Grid Talk podcast and on uh, Aaron Harper's podcast, AHF1 podcast, talking about Andretti's um, road F1. And, um, but they're still an Indy car. And of course they're involved in many other series, Michael Andretti, but this year is a year unlike any other, I think, in a long time for Andretti Autosport in that they have a very young organization, very young driver lineup. Uh, Roman Grosjean is the oldest driver, but he's definitely not the veteran. Uh, he's only in his third, second, or what is it, second full year, I think, as a as a full-time driver. Uh, he ran one year just doing the road courses for uh, Dale Coyne, and um, and then he ran one oval, I think, there for Dale Coyne at Gateway, and then uh, got hired last year to drive for Andretti in the DHL car, taking over for Ryan Hunter Ray. So this is his second full year at Andretti. Colton Herta who, of course, we talk about Formula One. There's rumors about him going there, uh, but he doesn't have the super license points because of the stupidity of how super license points are given out. Uh, But I think, I mean, if there's one other challenger that I could venture out and it would be kind of going out on a limb, based on the performance and testing, it looked like Andretti Autosport had speed. Now, of course, they're not racing at the Thermal Club for any race, but... When you bring Kyle Kirkwood back into the fold after what was, for more all intents and purposes, a disaster of a year at AJ Foyt, where he crashed more than um, anything, but coming back to replacing Rossi and bringing a new, fresh, or like a fresher perspective, I think he come him coming in along with Colton Herta and Roman Grosjean, those three guys can carry the load at Andretti. Um, is it going to mean championship? I don't know. I think all three of them have different targets in their mind. You have Kyle Kirkwood, who's won everything on the in road indie ladder. He wants to win a race. He wants to be competitive. I think he knows this is a long-term deal they're building with him, but they're also building with Colton Herta, and I think his target is not in IndyCar anymore. Yes, he wants to win. I know he wants to win that championship. Uh, do something even his dad wasn't able to do. Do stuff his dad wasn't able to do. And But I also think he wants to go to Formula One. So how does that distraction kind of that double kind of deal in terms of Colton Herta and he's a really young dude too 
um, been in this series since he was 17, 18 years old. Now he's in his what, fifth, six years old. It's pretty crazy um, for Colton Herta, but it's he's the he's the leader. He's the team leader now of this organization. And uh, how is he going to handle that while also handling his own personal goals and and hopes for the future while bringing in a, the likes of Kyle Kirkwood, who is an Andretti guy from many years, um, coming back, and then Roman Grosjean, who on the one hand, he is running an Indy car, but he's a Lamborghini factory driver and is going to be a part of their um, LMDH or whatever program here in this with testing first of all and then going into 2024 with with his goal i think to go move back to europe and race uh in the wec so how does andretti stack up to you josh um before we kind of go over some of the other teams kind of as a whole yeah i think you know with andretti i mean they have a, a lot that they need to be able to improve on i think to really be considered a top team once again um, they've, you know, I mean, we've alluded to with Rossi, but you know, they've taken a, a lot of steps backwards in terms of, you know, their ability to compete for the title uh, compared to previous years. And, you know, Colton Herta uh, has been kind of their guy the last couple of seasons. And, you know, even then, uh, Colton Herta wasn't really that great uh, last year uh, compared to, you know, what he was able to do in 21 Um you know, finishing, and he still won a race, but, you know, finished 10th in the standings last year. And you know, we've seen what he's able to do with, with the ability and talent that he has. Uh, and, you know, people have, you know, raved about him and about his ability to go to Formula One potentially, but also had still a lot of uh, consistency issues uh, throughout the, the year. Um, and unlike what, you know, kind of similar to what he had in 2021, but this year just wasn't uh, on the same level of pace. Uh, and I think, you know, for Andretti, um, they've got to be able to improve, uh, in their, you know, I think it's not just the drivers, but just the, you know, their engineering department, um, needs to be able to, uh, improve, be able to get them back onto, um, pace with the other teams. Uh, I mean, they've been pretty fast so far in early testing, uh, but, uh, it looks like you know, at least, you know, short run pace, you know, they've been able to um, improve there, but we'll see, you know, long run, you know, throughout the uh, season, throughout, you know, a course of one race, can uh, they keep up with uh, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the field and uh, make sure that their car stays uh, balanced uh, throughout the, you know, course of one race and everything. So I think, you know, just from a team perspective, you know, they've, got a lot to uh improve on there and um i think all their drivers in one way are going to benefit um like think you know colton herta i think if they give him a good car i think colton herta could be a uh you know long or outsider chance i think to you know potentially compete for the title if 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 they give him a really good car and they truly have turned things around so um we'll see if you know, they're able to do that. And we've seen what they can do. I mean, we've seen what Colton Herta has been able to do. And let me go back to two years ago and what he did at uh, St. Petersburg, you know, basically dominating that entire event and the pace that he had at other tracks throughout the year. Look at what he was able to do at the first Nashville race and would have won that one if he didn't make his own mistakes and everything. So, you know, I think if the team can get out of its own way and I think if the drivers can continue to be focused, I think, especially with Hurt, I think they'll be right there with Penske and Ganassi and potentially even McLaren. So um, 
that's uh, kind of what I'm thinking really for uh, for Andretti. I mean, of course, you have Grosjean as well, who, yeah, of course, with his commitments to Lamborghini, we have to wonder how much he really is committed to uh, Andretti as well. I think he still enjoys IndyCar racing, but, I, you know, with uh, the uh, factory uh, driver role at La- uh, Lamborghini, there's, you know, a little bit of a conflict of interest in, in a way, even though their s- schedules aren't really going to conflict that much. But, you know, still when you um, have... Uh, two teams like that. I mean, obviously you're trying to maximize your income and weight, but at the same time, you know, you begin your commitments, you start to favor one or the other, I think. And we'll see how the year goes for Roman. If he, you know, he's able to stay balanced between IndyCar and uh, sports car racing. And then for the rest of the team, of course, Kyle Kirkwood coming back to the fold. And uh, we seen what he was able to do last year at, at, you know, some places, you know, with uh, Foyt racing and everything. And I think, Kirkwood, he's he's definitely a guy that has a lot to prove, and I think uh, definitely um, we'll see first year full time with Andretti uh, what he's able to do, and if he can uh, kind of compete or push Colton Herta, uh, I think that's what I look out for with him. And then of course with um, Dellen DeFrancesco, he's kind of just there. So as long as he doesn't get into any incidents and doesn't, because I mean there were some times last year we got into some incidents that caused some controversies throughout the year. Uh, so you know, as long as he you know stays out of the way, makes minimal mistakes, I think it'll be a okay year for uh, DeFrancesco. And then uh, by extension, I think we also should bring up uh, Meyer Shank because they are a customer of Andretti, and I think they also felt some of the issues that. Uh, Andretti was last year, you know, with some of the things that they were experiencing with, you know, their um, parts, you know, they had issues with, you know, their dampers and chassis setups, uh, because it, you know, also mirrored a a lot of the issues that uh, Andretti was uh, facing throughout the entire year. So Andretti as an organization can uh, be more competent than what they have in the last, you know, two or three years, then uh, I think that'll help Meyer Shank uh, be a better team overall and help them you know, with uh, Elio Castroneves and um, Simon Pagano. So I think if you know those two teams can kind of improve, then certainly it will uh, you know be helpful to everybody uh, you know at Honda and um, everybody at those two organizations. So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, you know, I think Andretti they definitely have their work cut out this year for them. It's going to be an interesting year for sure with all the different things that Michael's having to do and what he's trying to deal with, with the notion that, that the, what do you call his, the, I guess the bend, the goalposts keep moving in terms of his wanting to be in formula one and how that affects him and some of his other business entities, along with building their new massive uh, building. And in terms of Meyer Shank, uh, they had a rough year last year. Um, going to two cars, Alio really wasn't there for the majority of the year. I think Simon Pagano did a little better. I mean, you look at Pagano uh, finished 15th in points. Uh, Alio finished 18th in points. So only led one lap. They only led one lap the whole entire year. Uh, one podium, that was Pagano. Uh, so it was not a great year for them. It looks like Elio Castroneves, it seems like they're kind of already starting the move uh, that this is going to be his final full-time season uh, with the team because I think they're going to put Tom Blomquist in the car. They've been making that rumor. He tested the car. The guy who's won the Rolex 
for the or a few weeks a month ago and uh or two they've won it two consecutive years right yes they've won the rolex 24 the last two years and uh they won the series championship in imsa so there's changes coming along there um now there's i think what three three cars are gonna have the uh the serious xm whatever sponsorship on them with kirkwood and those two cars and myers shank as well some of the other teams of course we have to look at ray hall ray hall letterman lanigan they have green ray hall uh, who is uh, has a great ability in cultivating sponsors. He hasn't won in a long time. He's getting Eddie Jones back on his pit box. So the last time he won races was, what, six years ago now? Um, he uh, had Eddie Jones on the box. So uh, looking for that, he finished 11th in points. He keeps on aiming. He knows he wants to He wants to win Indy in the worst way to join his father in that. Um, he's had... He's had his tough times and issues since that three or two win season in 2017, finishing sixth in points. Uh, he has finished in the top 10 or just outside of the top 10 like he was last year in each of the last five years. Didn't even have a podium last year. So that's, uh, are we seeing the downswing with him uh, in the butt? He also knows that him and Mike Lanigan's son are taking over the organization whenever their dads decide to quit. Uh, I think the person to look at from that team is Christian Lundgaard, who got moved into the high V45, probably because Jack Harvey sucked. Um, Lundgaard has shown great pace on road courses. He ended up winning Rookie of the Year over David Malukas. It was a close battle, but uh, uh, Rose, what do you call him? Lundgaard was able to pull it through. Another Formula 2 transplant. So he's a guy to watch. They have a full sponsor, somebody that is supporting this series greatly and supporting that team. He's somebody that I think is a sleeper uh, candidate in general, Um, but especially with the majority of the races being on road courses. I think he's somebody that could kind of uh, shuffle the deck a little bit. Harvey, I have no idea what he's going to do this year. I don't really have much high, much of high hopes or any belief that he's going to do much of anything different than he did last year, um, which was essentially being a field filler. Uh, in terms of Ed Carpenter racing, you have Renus VK, who has won in the IndyCar ser- series before. He had one pole and a podium last year. Uh, they're all sponsored. All three cars, when they have three cars out on the track, will be sponsored by Bit Nile, uh, which is uh, Connor Daly's sponsor. And um, of course, for Connor, his chase really is to win that first IndyCar race, but he really wants to win Indy worse than anything. His dad runs, his stepdad is the president of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, so it also helps. Um, I'm pretty sure his car won't be a bucking Bronco with uh, used parts from the scrap heap from behind the old Napa like he had at the Daytona 500 either. Ed Carpenter keeps on holding on for dear life um, and looks more closer to retirement than he is being that competitive guy that he was a few years ago uh, on the ovals Uh, but it is his team it's his choice he can do whatever he wants in that sense so I think for Rina's VK it's he wants to go and show that he can keep he can keep progressing because that's the car that New Garden drove a few years before and was able to get to Penske and then um, I'm forgetting who took over uh, for New Garden but he got sent Um, he should have been the guy that they picked for the 45 car last 
last year too. Spencer Piggott. Yeah. Piggott had moments here and there, but then he got cut off without having enough time to really prove himself. And then I think uh, he was, I might be wrong that he was in that McLaren SP team a couple of years ago. Oh no, that was, um, that was the other, uh, that's the other guy I was, I was thinking about thinking of uh, I'm, now I'm just blanking uh, on. He was another rookie that year with Pat Ward. Um, oh, uh, Oscar Oliver, no, Oliver Askew. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we got it. There you go. Good, good job. We, we finally got that one. So thank you for that. So he's another one, um, somebody to look at, I would think, later on. Catherine Legg will be driving a fourth Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car at Indy. And considering they don't have 33 cars, she's going to make the show. So it'll be nice to see Catherine Legg back in the Indianapolis 500. Uh, she runs with uh, Sheena Monk in the Acura in GTD in uh, IMSA. So it'll be nice to see her come back to the Indianapolis 500. Uh, after that, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to go through everybody. I don't want to go and leave anybody out, really, or go through some of this. I mean, Dale Coyne this year as David Malukas is on his second year. Of course, his dad's really effing rich. He's so rich and has so much money. They have nine cars in Indy, Indy Lights this year. So uh, I think half the field is coming out of the Malukas shop. So take that for what it will. Can he go and make that step forward like a lot of other guys at Dale Coyne have over the years and then move himself up into a bigger team, largely because, of course, his dad is rich. Uh, but he has talent. He showed it at Gateway last year that he has the skills to to do it. And uh, he showed on ovals and some road courses, but more on the ovals. Uh, of his prowess and I think it'll be something to look at um, his teammate now this year will be rookie Stingray Rob which is one of the greatest names ever in the history of man um, uh, he's the he's the um, the hell's that guy in the in the truck series the guy that uh, the 45 driver um, oh um, we picked him on a couple weeks yeah, ago we picked him a couple weeks ago uh, we uh, have it right here uh, yeah. wait where is it um, Lawless Allen. Lawless yeah. Allen. Yep. So he wins the. He there. There has to be an award for best name in in the in the series. And Stingray Rob definitely is the best name in this series. Uh, he is a rookie coming from Indy Lights. Uh, he's had his moments there. So we'll see. The rookie class is definitely interesting this year. Stingray Rob. Benjamin Peterson coming from Indy Lights has a lot of money, not really shown much of anything otherwise. Driving for AJ Foyt, almost was going to drive the 88 car. Then the combination of the 14 and 88 leads to certain um, inferences for certain segments of the population or a certain segment of the population. So they change it to number 55. I don't care what his number is. He's probably going to crash a lot um, with his teammate, Rupier Floathead who's coming back full time. The other rookies in this series this year are, um, I don't see that one. Of course, Marcus Armstrong, as I mentioned earlier, and then Augustin Canapino, who is driving for Junkos Hollander. And uh, he's uh, he's uh, going to have a big learning curve, but it seems like he's his bigger learning curve is just trying to learn English. So, um, to be able to have him uh, come over here and trying to become a great communicator and 
and do the best he can. It seems like he's great representation. They were doing testing uh, in uh, his country. I'm forgetting what the, yeah, go see, yeah, and then trying to go and see over here, new for 23, Argentina, yeah, touring car champion. So you're going from uh, driving a, a sedan to driving an Indy car, and it's going to be a big transition for him. But it sounds like he has a lot of talent, a lot of ability. Uh, but I would look at, in terms of the rookie battle, I think Stingray Rob has the advantage um, money, but also the team that he has around him and the teammate he has, I think gives him an advantage initially um, in terms of the rookie battle. And then, I mean, there are 20, uh, 27 cars that will run in this first uh, race of the season. That's full-time cars. So that's the biggest field they've had in a long, long time. It was great to see, uh, but there are issues, of course, that we've gone over here on the show um, that have to be addressed rest um short term and long term for the series and how they've dealt with the the the, uh feeder series as well before we make our our predictions for st petersburg i want to make predictions for the championship and the top three uh i'm gonna go i'll go first here and we can get that picks channel up there and start putting that in there Um, i'm picking scott dixon to win number seven this year um it's they they won at They've won with Alex Pillow, but otherwise, I mean, it's been on and off. One year Penske, one year Ganassi, it kind of goes that way. I say that Dixon wins a championship. I say Joseph Newgarden finishes second again in the championship. Um, I believe one of those two wins the Indianapolis 500. That's another kind of a thing that we can go back on and see for right on that. Uh, third place in the championship, I think, will be Pato Award. So considering last year how dominant Penske was, I'm saying this year, I figure Penske will be up there. They'll be within that realm with uh, the likes of Ganassi and, of course, with McLaren. But that's who I pick for my top three. Um, Josh, who are you looking at for your top three and title winner for um, this year in IndyCar? I think this year in IndyCar, I think just Newgarden wins the title. So I'll put him in uh, first place there. Uh, I'm going to say that Pato Award finishes in second. And then I think third place, uh, I'm going to go with Scott Dixon third place. So basically I think I have the same guys you did, but I have a different order. So I think Joseph Newgarden gets his, his win or his third title this year. Yeah, I don't think that, I think those are, we both were on the same realm in terms of the drivers, but we could just as easily see Scott McLaughlin take that next step forward, the multi-time supercars champion. Will Power, of course, he wants to win another title. It took him enough years to win that second one. Uh, and then, can I think there are, there's guys within the Ganassi. Polo may have something there, even though he's in a lame duck year. You also have to consider the other two uh, guys at McLaren, for sure. And, I mean, Colton Herta wants to go to Formula 1. The easiest way for him to go to Formula 1 is win a championship. So, that that would be something Andretti Autosport has not won an IndyCar title since Ryan Hunter Ray in 2012. So it'll be something if they were able to do that. And who knows? It's a deep field. Uh, qualifying and getting out of the first round of qualifying is going to be very difficult uh, in the IndyCar series this year. So that'll be something to look at, especially on the road courses. Uh, the Saint uh, Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, we've uh, kind of gotten into some of the drivers and, uh, and people to look at 
uh, for the season. In in terms of this race, though, uh, the history of this race in recent years, you look at, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Scott McLaughlin won last year, Colton Herta in 21, Joseph Newgarden in 2020, um, 19 and 20. Prior to that, Sebastian Bourdais, the local uh, St. Petersburg resident these days, uh, won two years in a row uh, for Dale Coyne. And then prior to that, two years in a row for Juan Pablo Monterrier and uh, Will Power in 2014, Manica Patrick in uh, 2013, a.k.a. James Hinchcliffe, uh, Elio Castro Dash Neves in 2012, so he's still out there, Dario Franchitti in 11, Will Power in 10, Brisk Ryan Briscoe in 9, 2009, Green Rehall in 2008, um, Elio Castro Neves was a three-time winner at St. Pete back in the day, the late Dan Weldon uh, won in 2005, and the next one of the corner that is basically the one of the better passing zones on the whole entire racetrack is named after Dan Weldon. Uh, so we'll hear about Dan Weldon way a lot during this weekend. Uh, Josh, I'll let you go and make your picks uh, this for this weekend. Who do you think will win and who do you think will be on the podium for uh, this weekend's uh, Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg? Yeah, I think. You know, this weekend, um, you know, I'm going to go with the interesting here. Uh, uh, I mean, I just faded him for the championship, but let's uh, have Paddle Ward take home the win this weekend in St. Petersburg. So I'll go with him uh, winning the race. Podium, uh, Colton Herta, I'll pick him to finish in second. Uh, and then third place, uh, go with uh, Joseph Newgarden in sec- or third place. So... Yeah, that's what I'll go with. Uh, should be interesting. I think Colton won two years ago, but I think uh, Pato, I think he's got a lot to prove, like we talked about. McLaren, they come out, have the best car uh, this weekend, and they go and win uh, here in St. Petersburg. That would be progression for them, considering for a good part of the early season, they were not giving Pato the car that he needed. I think now with Alexander Rossi being there, extra data sharing and some of the additions that they made to the organization. I I think that that's a very valid choice. I like that choice, of course, because I'm a court guy. So I would sign for that. And watching Colton Hurdle lose to him kind of makes me happy. Um, For me, I'm going to go with, I mean, I that would be the, I mean, I would have probably given that a, a thought in terms of uh, uh, going to Pato. Uh, I'm going to go with, there's been, the history shows uh, a lot of repeats. It hasn't happened in recent years, but I'm going to say Scotty McLaughlin repeats as the winner at uh, St. Petersburg. So two years in a row for him. Starts off his campaign in 2023 with a victory. And um, he almost won the first two races of the season, getting passed on the outside on the last lap by Joseph Newgarden at Texas, which will be the PPG 375 this year. So uh, I picked Scott McLaughlin to win. Uh, My second place finisher will be I'm I'm going to go and and get kind of uh frisky with it I'm going to go and say Kyle Kirkwood goes and finishes on the podium, gets his first career IndyCar podium on Sunday for Andretti. And then third place, uh, I'll say is, I'll say, I'll say Scott Dixon. Uh, Dixon has never won there, 
it'll be yet another year that he hasn't won there but scott dixon goes and gets a podium there but i'm taking i'm i'm making the picks that kind of is like we'll go out the wall because i'm not guaranteeing anything i don't say to anybody to go and bet on my picks because my fantasy teams prove that i generally am not no matter using knowledge and and understanding of recent history doesn't really make a difference so there's that uh we will see and we will talk about this race of course next week on episode 159 of the gsp we'll move on from an one open wheel series starting their 2023 campaign to another one uh this one being the formula one world championship lots of drama and controversy fia fom the issues with the gag of sorts on drivers to express some of their thoughts on uh, uh and and beliefs or whatever in regards to certain issues which is really a target on lewis hamilton but uh there's also the issue with andretti trying to get an f1 and now they're keep on moving the goalposts uh statman carruthers from the uh what do you call um why am i forgetting uh, i forget everything when i'm on on the show i need to remember crap and then i never remember it the uh i have it right here just give me a second they have and it's not all about indycar that's not it uh, I'm gonna swap to goddamn ball. Uh, gotta love Instagram. Um, trying to find it. The super what? What the heck is the one that Tony Stewart? He went and did a episode with them recently, and they've been friends for a long time. Uh, it's Statman Carruthers. What's the other? And it's um, Kenny and Crash. Uh, from the they're the but they're married. Um, they have the daughter. Uh, the heck's the name of that thing? I follow them too. Oh dang it. Uh, trying to find it here. If I don't find it, I guess it is what it is. But because it's it, uh, and yeah, Kenny Sargent. Yeah, what does he do? Uh, what the heck? Why am I? Why am I forgetting? Ugh, damn it. It's um. I'm gonna look it up. So Kenny Sargent, Speed Freaks. There, you go. thank you. Finally got it. the Speed Freaks. Uh, Statman Carruthers was saying it's just business because FIA or Formula One now being a part of Liberty Media, they're on the stock exchange. Uh, so based on their number and how much they're worth uh they're trying to get fair market value it's a great explanation by him basically saying that what they're doing in regards to continuing to move these goalposts is essentially trying to get fair market value if they want somebody to come in f1 knowing that they're each team is worth probably on top of what they're already worth a couple billion dollars on top of it or hundreds of millions of dollars on top of it one piece that has come out recently is alpha tori may be on sale because red bull um in general is starting to look at all their entities within business and they're seeing that the um alpha tori team has been a loser in the sense of money and business so that might be the end something to look at at for the future though but Speaking of Red Bull, speaking of a guy who was uh, definitely is rolling in the money, he had to pay over a million dollars for a super license. Uh, Fish Lips, Max Verstappen uh, became a legitimate world champion last year, winning 15 races. Uh, it'll say in the stats that he's a two-time world champion, but we can uh, let that go. Uh, he dominated. It really wasn't much of a, a series most of the year, largely due to the fact that Ferrari basically dick-stepped themselves most 
race of the year. And um, if they didn't do it to themselves, if the driver didn't do it, the team did it. If it wasn't the driver or the team, the car failed. So the the initial question, I guess, Josh, is does Max stop and continue this this onslaught into 2023 uh, and and dominate another year or do Ferrari and Mercedes have answers? I mean, we only have one test to show for it. We only have some conjecture from every team and some of the drivers, but does 2023 in the second year of this new uh, aero formula open up the doors for those two organizations to get back in the mix to contend with Red Bull and Verstappen? I mean, it's, it's tough to say. I think early on, I, mean, I can't say like, you know, later in the year, but at least like the, you know, first part of the year, um, I think it's going to be Red Bull. Uh, I'm not going to say the whole year because uh, there's definitely time to catch up. But you know, I think right now Red Bull is still the best in terms of pace. I think Verstappen, you know, they've, they, you know, we're going to continue to put their best behind Verstappen. So uh, I think he's going to come out and probably, uh, I mean, early prediction. I mean, we may as well say it that I think he, he'll win uh, the opening race at Bahrain. So, uh yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough uh, early on. I mean, uh, Mercedes, you know, their pace uh, still not quite where they need it to be. I mean, it's a good baseline, I think, from, you know, maybe last year. Uh, so it's better than last year, but is it as better than Red Bull or on pace with Red Bull? Probably not, so at least right now. But there's still time throughout the year to get better, and, you know, things can change uh, throughout the season, um, and certainly um, – you know, there's always luck that factors in as well. Um, but it, I mean, looks like, you know, they're porpoising for Mercedes, uh, still, I mean, it's not really an issue anymore. So, uh, you know, but they still have some issues with handling day two of testing. They, uh, had issues at least with Hamilton. Um, they had issues with handling, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. And then I think, you know, Ferrari, uh, I mean, I think I expect Ferrari to be closer to uh, Red Bull, but it still seems like they're still trying to, you know, at least according to Leclerc, still trying to find that sweet spot with their new car, you know, going into um, the first race this weekend. So, uh, I mean, I think early on the first, you know, four or five races of the year, I think you can probably expect Red Bull to still be up, up front dominating uh, in Formula One. But I think maybe throughout the course of the year, I think, you know, Red or Ferrari, I think they'll find their groove from, I think, Mercedes, uh, especially, you know, as the year goes on, I think they'll be better. And, you know, I think for, you know, Mercedes and I think their fans and Hamilton, I think they'd like to try to give Lewis a good enough car to at least win uh, one race um, and get back in the winner's column. So, uh, you know, after being winless last year. So um, we'll see what happens. But it, I think, you know, early on, I mean, think for Stappen, going to be the guy and uh, we'll see how Perez does as well but you know overall at least to start off it'll be more of the same yeah I mean Perez is a hired lapdog for Red Bull and he'll just move over and take it uh, as long as Karen's guy can get the victory or whatever so we know that Ferrari is more equal and Mercedes in that uh, scenario. Um, George Russell, of course, came into the team last year, was able to deal with the car, I think, a lot better initially, and was 
more consistent than Lewis. And yes, Lewis was working on different things to get the car better because of his vast knowledge and time, not only in the team, but just his experience. Uh, but George Russell did win uh, win the pole after the sprint race at Brazil and then won the Brazilian Grand Prix over Lewis Hamilton, the only uh, double podium they had the whole year, uh, the highlight of the year, really. Um, but I think for those two organizations, it's more about, you know, maximum their package to the greatest extent for Ferrari trying Fred Vasseur coming into the fold trying to bring a lot more control bring a lot more um, not just continuity but bring a semblance of intelligence and logic to a lot of the decisions they're making and making it easier on Charles Leclerc who is known to overthink things and go and make bad mistakes give Carlos Sainz an opportunity to go and maybe take that step forward and become a championship contender with a car that was pretty much the second best car for a good amount of the year for at least the first part of the year and um, ended up number two largely because of their advantages they had over Mercedes through the first part of the season. Uh, I do think Lewis will come back and at least win one race and one pole. Um, but I don't know what is what it'll look like in terms of contending for a championship. I do feel if Mercedes does have a championship hope, I think it'll be more on the likes of George. I think George is starting to build him, himself up and build his confidence, but I you can never count out Lewis Hamilton at the end of the greatest ever. Uh, but Max, I do agree, is going to win this, re- this race uh, at Bahrain. I think he'll win at Saudi the following week. The changes and, and upgrades that'll come after that is where I think we really have to start looking. That's like uh, the few weeks after break between uh, Saudi and Australia. And I think there's another break after that as well. Um, they are, they're going to have time and uh, to go and make things happen there. They'll have what two weeks between Saudi and Australia. And then they have a month's break between uh, the Australian Grand Prix and Azerbaijan. Uh, oh, so Campos race. Oh, what do you mean about that? Uh, uh, but going on the Formula One uh, circuit or Formula One page, track will feature the eighth uh, revised configuration. The revised configuration is the original configuration anyway. That's it's basically the original configuration of the racetrack that they had, minus uh, that one like one left-hander it used to be two left-handers now they just made it a sweeping left um or i don't know if they still use that or if they use that part uh, the two double left-handers instead of the sweeping left that might be the only uh, difference there but i think that australia is where we're gonna finally see if mercedes has something uh ferrari's gonna be the one that has to kind of pick up the slack at least for the first couple of races of the season um i so i mean that kind of goes answers to that uh, question that i had about george or lewis i I'll never doubt Lewis, but I think if George is starting to show his mettle um, and his ability to get the job done. Midfield battle and driver changes, Josh. There's plenty to go in on that. Uh, the drivers, I mean, last year the midfield battle started with uh, with McLaren and Alpine. Testing has shown that McLaren is definitely on the back foot. Alpine has had some struggles as well. On the flip side of that is Brett Alonso and Aston Martin showing a lot of pace 
in testing. He was the only one testing because Lance Stroll crashed off a bike. And uh, there's been various rumors of what his injuries are. Sounds like he has two broken wrists. So if he has two broken wrists, I have a hard time believing that that guy is going to drive, especially a Formula One car, which would open up the door for 2022 Formula Two world champion Felipe Drogovic to end up on the F1 grid, at least temporarily for a few races, um, make his uh, debut along with other uh, debutants from F2 and elsewhere. Uh, getting into the driver changes, of course, Pierre Gasly moves from Alpha Tori to Alpine to make an all-French lineup of Esteban Ocon. Oscar Piastri, former Alpine development driver, moves to McLaren, taking over for Daniel Ricciardo. He'll be driving the number 81. Valtteri Botas doing his best KK Rosberg impression. And Guan Yu Zhou, they, uh, or Zhou Guan Yu, um, they'll continue for a second year together. Um, Alonso, as I mentioned, moves over to Aston Martin, replacing the retired Sebastian Vettel. Nico Hulkenberg comes back to Formula One as a full-time driver for Haas. Uh, taking over for Mick Schumacher while Kevin Magnussen uh, continues in the um, in his ride. Nick DeVries moves from being a Mercedes uh, junior driver and driving for I don't know how many teams last year uh, to become a full-time driver at AlphaTauri, uh, replacing Pierre Gasly to drive alongside Yuki Tsunoda. And then Logan Sargent becomes the first American driver uh, since Alexander Rossi back in 2015, and the first full-time American driver since Scott Speed in 2006, uh, because he didn't get to finish 2007 season. Um, so that it's a long time coming, 17 years for a full-time ride for an American driver, and uh, eight years since the last time an American was on the grid. So definitely a lot of changes there, but I I'd focus on the midfield. We go and look at the four teams. I would say, uh, what is it? McLaren, Alpine, Aston Martin, and Alfa Romeo. Those are the teams that were up there last year in those positions um, in terms of the uh, constructors. I'm going to go back. It was Alpine, then McLaren, Alfa Romeo, and Aston Martin were Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin tied in for points in last year. So right now, as it stands, Alpine and McLaren are on the back foot as from this test. We don't know what they're going to bring to the table on Friday in FP1 and FP2, but uh, definitely curious um, if that pace is something to be worried about or not. It sounds like McLaren definitely is worried. They are concerned, so it's not a good look for them. And uh, Alpha. Romeo with Zhou Guan Yu set a quick time during testing during one of the sessions. So that is that is a pleasant surprise, of course, uh, trying to prove his mettle and his worth here in Formula One, not only short term, but long term with that team becoming Audi, uh, Audi's Formula One team here in a few years. Um, and then, of course, I mentioned Alonso running fast all through the weekend in the test. Uh, those four teams that that comprises the, the midfield, really. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of those changes and what you expect? Gosh, from at least initially, I mean, I think these first two races are back to back. So whatever you kind of see is even though they're two different racetracks, I think who the, the form is kind of going to be there the same way for the first two races. Little changes are going to come for Australia, um, but uh, there's a definite chance for things to change around amongst that quartet. 
based on at least early uh, early takeaways. Yeah, I mean, I think with you know some of these teams, I think especially McLaren. I mean, I thought they would be better than what they are right now. It's almost like they regressed from where they were last year at the end of the year. Uh, I thought maybe they would begin to try to make a breakthrough uh, into the the stage of Mercedes and Red Bull and uh, Ferrari that looks like they haven't just had the pace. They've been slow throughout preseason testing. Uh, so I'm not really sure what they're going to do this year in terms of their you know ability. And um, I feel like it's going to be another year, based on what their pace is, going to be another year where they struggle for most of the year and then maybe they figure it out like towards after the, the summer break and or something like that and finally manage to... Uh, get something together at the end of the year so um, that's kind of why I was alluding to earlier when we were talking about McLaren and IndyCar that I think they have a better chance of winning the IndyCar title than they do uh, the F1 title not because they're going up against Red Bull and uh, whatnot but more so the fact that they just haven't really looked as competitive as what I thought they'd be uh, in uh, so far this year in testing so it's kind of thinking there Um, but uh, I think I'm really surprised with the uh, pace that you know Joe Gnu showed in uh, uh, testing so far. That, uh, you know, of course, had the fast lap and led testing. Um, you know, at one point and everything, and then I think you know with Alpha um, seems like you know they're you know looks like maybe they might actually be one of the better midfield teams this season. And of course he's a second year driver now. And of course he got his teammate Valtteri Botas who um, on the non-racing side of things, you know, he could be a very popular guy here in America and he's got all the, the looks and everything to be popular here in America um, as you know, America continues to embrace more F1 and everything, but uh, he certainly um, got a lot of experience as well. And, I think he definitely can be uh, fairly consistent um, for that organization throughout the entire year. Uh, so I, yeah, I'd look for um, uh, Alpha to be a lot better than what they were last year, and certainly you know be closer to um, the you know the big big players in Red Bull and Mercedes, Ferrari uh, in this group of midfield uh, teams. Um, there, so that'll be interesting to look at throughout the year how they um, progress. Uh, I think you know with Aston Martin. I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean Lance Stroll. Unfortunate that uh, he got into the cycling accident and everything, and um, we'll have to wait and see where he goes uh, from there. But uh, I mean, looks like Alonso could be quick. Uh, what's likely to be his uh, probably his last you know career ride. But you know he's been fairly competitive so far in times uh you know of course uh third best time on the friday of testing and everything so i you know i think uh he has a lot you know to prove and he's also been talking a big game uh so far you know as a member of uh uh aston martin so maybe l plan is coming together finally for uh uh alonso there so we'll have to see but um they could be another surprise uh, along with Alpha Romeo, but then you know, also you alluded to uh, Alpine. Of course, you know they've been uh, struggling, and um, that'd be interesting to see uh, how they uh, you know play out. Uh, you know, this year, of course, going through uh, some changes in their uh, driver lineup. Um, you know, I think I think they still you know have uh, a lot of uh, things to 
you know, uh, go out. I mean, they have Pierre Gasly, who's been proven in uh, uh, the Alpha Tories, but you know, so far this year, they uh, haven't had the pace that you know maybe they would have liked. And then Esteban, of course, uh, who's been there for a few years now, um, just not on pace. Although, um, you know, certainly it's always possible that you know Esteban could uh, be a threat for a victory or for a podium at um, some of these um, circuits uh, this year, but. Um, yeah, I think Alpine, you know, kind of in the same uh, realm that McLaren is, like you said earlier, um, just haven't uh, had the pace. Uh, but, you know, they have made slightly quiet uh, progress throughout um, testing. So um, I think, you know, maybe, maybe they will be better than what we think, but certainly not as good as what we, um, like, initially, like what we thought, but, you know, better than... Uh, what we might be projecting right now. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the year, but um, should be interesting in the midfield. And, um, you know, I'm just really curious, just on pace alone, you know, how Alpha is going to do. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting midfield battle. And uh, we may we may see some drivers challenging for uh, positions late in, you know, some of these races that we wouldn't have thought they would be able to. So uh should be interesting, um, you know, as we you know, continue throughout the, um, first couple of races, how, you know, things begin to settle and throughout, you know, all the, um, pace and, uh, that these teams have been showing throughout testing. Yeah. And that's something to find. We're going to find out, of course, uh, practice on Friday will kind of open up some windows to what to expect initially. I think, uh, qualifying will be its own battle. Uh, as well but i think practice will show one sign and then qualifying on saturday will open up some further windows it's a track that you can overtake on so it's a uh, medium in terms of wear and tire wear and also on on roughness so that's something that we have to see and especially with the midfield when they're battling for those points you need every point uh it's wind tunnel time it's uh it's all those development things within this new cost cap so every every point counts every dollar counts in that sense uh the last three teams uh that were in the championship last year were haas alpha tori and williams in haas they get one new driver a veteran in hulkenberg who's been around a long time never finished on a podium in his career uh you have alpha tori who has one new driver in nick devries has a uh, plenty of pedigree formula e world champion ran with the mercedes outfit for a while has run another race other series and um ran for williams finished in the points uh ran for aston martin for a little like i think at least for for a practice ran in the mercedes car so i think he drove three or four cars last year uh yuki sonoda in another third year i think in in the third year in the series uh kind of a prove it year i would think for him and then williams as i mentioned alexander albon and uh, logan Sargent now to me, I don't see much movement there. Maybe Haas can make a little progress because now they have, they've kind of taken care of some redundancies and they've adjusted some things uh, to maximize their money. Um, they do have new sponsor in MoneyGram and have some other sponsors there as well. So that could help, but it is Gene Haas. It is an entity that he's involved in and generally outside of Stewart in terms of his racing outfits, uh, they've generally run in the back outside of when Tony Stewart took 51% of the team over that is now Stewart Haas racing. 
I don't know what they're going to do. I know Kevin Magnuson had that uh, amazing pole and it was a great story. And he ran decently in the sprint in Brazil, but it was kind of stop and start very, uh, uh, it didn't seem like there was any real consistency. Um, probably didn't help that Mick made some mistakes and had some big wrecks, but in the grand scheme of things, that's what you expect from a guy who's pushing and he's trying to keep a job. But now he's going to be the test driver for Mercedes. So probably did better by getting let go by Haas anyway and leaving the Ferrari driver development program. Uh, in terms of Alpha Tori, they're, they're interesting. Uh, didn't show a whole lot of pace, but they have DeVries. I think he's somebody that there's a lot of potential there. He's an older driver relative to what you, when you're coming into Formula One. But I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, I think the biggest problem for them is, are they going to be sold? And if they're going to be sold, who's going to buy them? I think that's the biggest issue. Plus, you know, of course, the car and the performance. But I think that's the biggest thing hanging over their heads. And that isn't going to help them in regards to trying to perform and do what they need to do um, to move back up the grid as they had been the last few years prior to this rule change and then williams uh albon's gonna do the best he can i don't know if he has it in him to kind of pull like what george russell did in 2021 um they are good friends but i don't know if williams has the car um i think it's more of a long-term development uh idea and that's part of the reason why they're putting logan Sargent in the second seat because they're leveraging an american driver who has talent and potential has some marketability they're going to try to introduce him to the american public of course and i think get him out there and um he has talent he has one in f3 he's one in f2 uh he was about to to come to IndyCar uh, prior to Williams kind of saving him. And uh, now he's going to be in Formula One. So it's going to be cool. Nice to look at uh, that story as the year goes on. It's going to be a long learning process and a tough learning curve. But in the end, it's better off better having Logan Sargent out there who's out there based on merit instead of Nicholas Latifi who's out there based on his dad's um, businesses. Uh, what are your thoughts on those three teams, Josh, uh, before we move forward, make our picks for the Drivers' Championship and Constructors? Yeah, I mean, you bring up Alphatori, and I think, um, I feel like, you know, it wasn't too long ago that, you know, they had better uh, better pace and um, or certainly you know, than more we're giving them more uh they've they've been doing a lot better than what we've been giving them credit for i think but um you know i think it's interesting you know in testing they've been somewhat quick nick debris you know finish uh fourth place day two testing um so uh interesting that you know they've you know they have him who's been pretty good and um outside of formula one and now he's you know having his chance uh so be curious to see how he how he does throughout the year but then on the other end yuki sonoda just uh hasn't looked like he's had really the pace that he's needed to be up there with his teammate so kind of almost like two contrasting things so be interesting to see you know how alfatori does throughout the you know throughout the year but you know i still feel like you know they um could be better than you know being like at towards the bottom of uh the tiers of f1 teams i think but you know, maybe maybe they are trending downwards, but you know, I think um, they still have a little bit left to say. And you know, I think Williams, uh, of course, Logan Sargent, you know, I think big name. Um, well, relatively speaking, um, certainly, I think I agree with you there. Uh, uh, American presence in Formula One, so 
think uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, what he's able to do uh, this year um, in the Williams. What, you know, what kind of results can he get? Uh, not going to be really competitive, I think. But, you know, can he uh, push for potentially a, a points finish? We've seen Alex Albaugh do that last year. Uh, could he um, do the same thing and get some PR from it? Um, certainly would be uh, interesting to, you know, play out. Um, you know, I don't think they'll really have the pace, but, you know, like uh, what Alex Albon did last year, can they uh, have the same, you know, strategy at, at some some of the circuits where it'll favor them to, um, you know, skip on tires and uh, try to maximize their uh, finish at the end? Uh, we'll have to see, but um, that's likely how they're going to have to scrap for some of these uh, finishes uh, later on in the year. Um, Albon, I mean, kind of the same deal there. Can they be a surprise at some of these races like they were last year? But, um, you know, I think Albon um, certainly has potential, but, um, but I think both of him and uh, Logan Sargent kind of both there for the long haul uh, at Williams. And then uh, Haas, like you uh, talked about earlier, um, I mean, it's hard to really see them really being anything. You know, of course, uh, last year uh, they, you know, they had a poll at Brazil, uh, but, you know, they didn't really have much else to show for it. And, I mean, of course, um, they did somewhat decently quick at at testing uh, so far this year uh, with Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, but, you know, overall, they're still a backmarker team uh, in this uh, series. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting uh, if they can – improving their results but i mean uh i think they're going to be better than certainly what they were a couple of years ago but you know i don't see them being any better than what they were last year so uh we'll we'll see uh what uh haas can do if they can prove us wrong uh, and be more consistent but you know that's um not really you know have much uh forward-looking out outlook for uh, uh that team overall in formula one and that's something we'll find out, I think, over time with uh, uh, Haas, if they are serious. I think this is a year where if they really are. They have two veteran drivers. It would be a time to start making that move forward. What is Alpha Tori going to be or where they're going to be or who they're going to be uh, is probably going to be probably going to uh, take up a lot of time with them. And in turn, it may give cover to Yuki Sonoda, and it'll also give cover to Nick DeVries to try to figure things out. Uh, Williams is more about, I think, doing good PR and marketing and doing well at the U.S. rounds and some of these other rounds accordingly and picking their spots uh the rookie class uh just to go through it there the the driver the rookies for this year are oscar piastri and mclaren and nick devries is considered a rookie and logan Sargent. uh based on experience i would think that nick devries is ahead on that based on car i don't think any of them are essentially in a great car at the moment so I mean, the the talent is in Piastri's favor because he's won F3, F2. Uh, he's considered one of the great talents uh, out of Australia in a long time. And so the, if McLaren figures it out, I think it'll be pretty straightforward for him. Uh, but I think Nick DeVries will give him a fight, given if his car actually shows up for him, too. Uh, the uh, Let's uh, get into 
the uh, driver and constructors championship picks. Uh, I picked first for IndyCar, so I'll give you the floor, Josh, in terms of Formula One uh, for the um, the picks for the championship and constructors. I mean, it's hard to go against him, but I'm going to go with Max Verstappen winning for the third year in a row in F1. But I don't think it'll be as easy as what it looked like last year. I think it'll be a little bit more challenged, and he won't um, have locked it up relatively early like he did last year i think uh definitely be uh, a lot closer before he wraps it up and potentially even to come down to the final race where he has to kind of like his first title in 21 where he battled lewis hamilton could end up being like that but i do think max verstappen still ends up being the uh, you know the driver's champion this year and then likewise i'm uh, still gonna go with uh, red bull uh, as the overall constructors champion uh, this year in F1, I think um, along with Verstappen, I think uh, Perez has proven to you know have consistent results uh, throughout the year. So uh, look for him to um, be a sporting teammate to uh, um, Verstappen, and then you know potentially maybe he gets a winner to himself uh, throughout the year. Yeah, so I just, um, I'm going to save everybody the time here. We've gone through a lot of it, so I just said ditto. Um, one, because I don't want to give breath to Fish Lips or Karen Horner. So, uh, yeah, I, there's, I have a very hard time believing the stat there won't be, there will be, it will be a battle, like Josh said. I think it'll be a little harder for them, but you already have the best car. They put the guy over, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's going to go that way again here in 2023. And I think we both picked uh, Fish Lips to win the race on Sunday. But uh, we also, uh, we need to pick uh, who else is going to finish on the podium. And maybe... uh, uh, could put in something in regards to uh, bowl. Um, fish lips wins. Um, my picks for the podium. What did I say on Grid Talk? I think I said uh, Charlie Claire. I believe I said Charlie Claire. I might have said Carlos Sainz. I don't remember. Um, I'm going to say Charlie Claire finishes second, and uh, George Russell finishes third. So representation from all three uh, big teams. Claire second and uh, GR third. There is a curse of people who win at Bahrain, don't win the world championships. So I'm hoping that Max Verstappen wins and that follows through, but I don't think that's going to matter. I think that Leclerc qualifies on pole on Saturday, but Verstappen will be on the front row and he'll be able to make the better start and control the race from there. Uh, what are you looking at, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I can say I disagree with you there. Um, I mean, I could agree with you on Ferrari taking pole. Um, they kind of had a lot of races where they took pole position last year, but then they weren't able to follow through with that on wins. So, I yeah, I can see Verstappen having a better race uh, per se than maybe qualifying pace versus uh, Ferrari. So, yeah, I'll go with uh, Ferrari, uh, not Ferrari, but Red Bull uh, with Verstappen winning the race. But uh, podium, uh, you know, I'm going to go with, I'll go with um, uh, Lewis. I'll start, I'll say Lewis in third, he gets third place. And then I'll say Charles Leclerc gets second. So 
Oh, so yeah, so Josh goes, uh, we're chalk for both of the picks. Yeah. Uh, first two picks, and we just switched the Mercedes drivers there. Second and LH. And w- what about qualifying? You're looking, you feel like yeah. Leclerc, Leclerc gets pull. Okay. Uh, both, both picked Leclerc. All right. So we will see what happens with that. Uh, if Aston Martin definitely has that pace, who's driving a second Aston Martin and some of the other uh, pieces, some of the other second drivers, what they're going to do, what the rookies can do in their first race uh, of this new 2023 in the 2023 season, the longest season in Formula One history. After all that, we still got plenty of show to go. We got the roundup coming up right now talking about the uh, Formula E series that uh, ran at Cape Town, South Africa this past weekend um, for the what fifth round of their series. So I'm trying to get this up on. Yeah, so there you go. News. Eh, uh, not loading. What is that? Uh, right now, uh, Aida DaCosta going and winning. I think that's trying to refresh that there. It looks like, yeah, Antonio Felix DaCosta gets the win there. Withdraws from your oh boy, that's not good. Um, yeah, so Antonio Felix da Costa gets the victory for Porsche, uh, the former uh, champion over another former champion, John Eric Verne for DS Penske, and second Nick Cassidy in third for Envision, Rene Rast for McLaren fourth, Sebastian Buemi, former champion for Envision, uh, fifth. Dan Tictum, sixth, Stoffel Van Dorn, defending world champion uh, for the DS Penske team in seventh, Norman Natto for Nissan in eighth, Andre Lauderer for Andretti in ninth, and McLaren's Jake Hughes rounds out the top ten. Well, that was the fifth round of the championship. Now they'll take a one-month break till the uh, Sao Paulo Epre and uh, obviously in Brazil. Um, the point standings as of now, Pascal Verline didn't score in uh, South South Africa, but is still the points leader. Jake Dennis has gone two consecutive races without scoring points, but he's still second, 18 points behind. Jean-Eric Verne uh, followed up his in win at India with a second place finish and is now in uh, third place. Uh, four points out of DaCosta, who's now come off of a third place and a first place. Nick Cassidy, uh, second and third the last two rounds, so they're third, fourth, and fifth. Buemi, Rene Rast, Sam Bird, who hasn't scored in the last two rounds. Jake Hughes, who um, uh, got points there, at is tied with Bird. And then Luca DeGrassi, who has a third-place finish in Mexico and nothing else, is tied with uh, Andre Lauderer for 10th in points. So we'll talk about them and the Formula E in a month's time. Porsche is now, uh, is still has a lead. They're up by 26 and 42 points on Envision. Envision has a four-point lead on Andretti. McLaren, DS Penske round out the top five. Apt has still not scored points uh, this season. The Mahindra team had to withdraw, so uh, that definitely didn't help their cause uh, last week. World Superbikes ran at uh, Phillip Island to start uh, their season and trying to get sets of size. Okay. Uh, the Port, well, I guess that's the first race of the series there. Um, in World Superbike, Jackson number in the results in race one at Phillip Island, Johnny Ray over Toprak Raskat Lioku, Alex Lowe's finished third, uh, Alvaro Bautista finished 
fifth behind Andrea Locatelli. So the two Yamaha factory riders, second and fourth, the two Kawasaki factory riders, first and third. Garrett Gerloff on a BMW, his first race on a BMW finished sixth. So good news for him. Um, trying to go through there. Is this from last year? Yeah, it is. Doesn't make sense then. All right, lovely. They didn't even bother to put up. So now I have to go and look for that. I'm like, that seemed weird. Well, that's why, because they haven't updated it yet. Super by championship. I have to go and put up all these dang links or something myself. Um, in race one on, or what is it? Alvaro Bautista. So Alvaro Bautista had a clean sweep of all the two races and the the Super Bowl race. In race one, he he finished. He beat Johnny Ray and Toprak Raskat Lioku. In race two, Bautista beat his teammate Michael Ruben Rinaldi and Andrea Locatelli. In a sprint in a Super Bowl race, so it was Bautista, Ruben Rinaldi, Raskat Lioku. Uh, the current points uh, after one round, Bautista has a 28 point lead on Andrea Locatelli, 31 on Ray and Ruben Rinaldi. Axel Bassani is in fifth. Uh, let's look over here. Garrett Gerloff ended up scoring eight points uh, to start his campaign. He's only behind uh, Scott Redding by two for BMW riders. And uh, he's only two points behind the guy that replaced him at uh, the Satellite Yamaha program in Remy Gardner. Uh, something to look at as the season goes on in the World Superbike Championship. Then F2 and F3 series will start in Bahrain has been done that in the past but they are this year or at least F2 has but maybe but not um not F3 uh, the drivers this year for the um for the uh, Formula 2 championship you have Dennis Hauger taking over the one car uh, which was of course the team that won the championship with Felipe Drogovic Jehan Daruvla moves over as the second driver there Zane Maloney comes from Formula 3 and uh, is joined by Enzo Fittipaldi. They'll be driving for the Roden Carlin effort. That was a team that Logan Sargent was driving for last year. ART will have Teo Pocher and Victor Martins uh, racing there. Martins has been in Formula 3 last couple of years. Pocher uh, has been in Formula 2, uh, one of the younger prospects, Ferrari and Sau- Sauber Jr. Prema. Is going to be running Frederick Vesti and Oliver Bierman. Uh, Vesti is somebody to look at. Um, Jack Crawford, the American, moves up from Formula 3 along with Isaac Hadjar. So high, for high tech, the Dams team will have Iwasa and Artur Leclerc coming up uh, from Formula 3. Invicta Virtuosi Racing will have Jack Dewin, uh, who is a uh, Alpine drive development driver, and Amory Cordiel. Roy Nassani continues his chase to be mediocre uh, in the Sharus team with Brad Benavides, another American uh, on the grid. So there's two Americans on the grid this year in Formula 2. So that'll be something to look at, along with a couple of Indian drivers, uh, Roman Stanek, Clement Novalak for Trident, Richard Vashor, Juan Manuel Correa. So yeah, three Americans, sorry. Brand Amsfort Racing. So three Americans and two Indian drivers with Kushmini and Ralph Boshong uh, Campos. So two Indian drivers, three American drivers. Pretty cool. 
Uh, I mean, I would look at those teams that finished up front. I think Teo Pocher is somebody I would venture to say is an early title favorite because he's around a lot of guys that don't have as much experience. Uh, Dennis Hauger is another one to look at, uh, along with Vesti. I think those three guys are going to be ones to watch initially here this season in Formula 2. But we'll find out what they do at uh, Bahrain in Formula 3. The drivers for uh, the team, uh, for Prema, defending champions, they've been up there for a while. Uh, they're going to run, they're going to run Paul Aaron in uh, the number one car. Estonian driver Dino Begonovic is a Swedish driver. And then Zach O'Sullivan, the, the Williams junior driver, the British driver, will um, be the um, third driver for them. And um, I wish I could just move, but can't do it. For Trident, I've never heard of any of these people. Forneroli, Bordoletto, he's Brazilian. Goth, German, looks like he's 12. And so, yeah, that's for Trident team. They're, they finished second last year in. Uh, constructors or the team's championship. Kalen Frederick moves over to ART to team with uh, Gregoire Saucy and Nikola Toslov, a Bulgarian. Um, Saucy, uh, the Swiss driver. Frederick, the American, so looking to um, make progress from last couple of years in the championship. We'll see what he can do there. Franco Colapinto, uh, Mari Boya, and Johnny Edgar will make up the MP Motorsports team. So Edgar is uh, somebody I would think he brings a little bit of money to the table. But Franco Colapinto is out there last year, uh, so he has experience, somebody that probably would be one to look for uh, early in the season. ITEC has Sebastian Montoya is uh, the son, of course, of Juan Pablo Monterrier. Gabriel Mini, an Italian driver who's a junior of uh, Alpine, and it doesn't have a third driver listed. So that's a Van Amsfort Racing has Caio Collette, Rafael Villagomez, who sucks, and um, Tommy Smith, very plain Jane name. Uh, he's from Australia. And Caio Collette, somebody who has experience, a Brazilian driver. So another one that I would consider somebody as an initial championship contender there. Oliver Gray, Hunter Yaney, another American, Ido Cohen. They're the drivers for Roden Carlin Racing, so the second American driver there. Um, and Sebastian Montoya, yeah, Sebastian Montoya is is a Colombian. Uh, he represents Colombia, but I, he was born in the U.S. Uh, Red Bull development driver, too, so interesting there. Uh, Joseph Maria Marti, Christian Mansell, and Hugh Barter. He's a weird-looking guy. Um, that's Campos Racing. The, then in uh, Genzer Motorsports, he's Nikita Bedrin, Taylor Barnard, and Alejandro Garcia. I don't know who any of those fucking people are. Um, I probably will know some of them soon enough. Uh, PHM, Charus, uh, Sofia Flourish, uh, Roberto Faria, and Pitor Wisnicki, a Polish driver. Uh, Brazilian, of course, Flourish is German. So the one-woman driver on the grid. You know, she hasn't really done a whole hell of a lot in her single-seater career, kind of connected with DTM, has a social media presence on Instagram. Uh, we'll see what she's able to do, but I doubt there'll be a whole hell of a lot. Uh, Indie NXT. So that's the last thing we do before we get into the, the, the what do you call, the preview for Las Vegas. Indie NXT, they'll be running this weekend, of course, at St. Petersburg. Um, Ahmed completes Cape Motorsports lineup. So 
you know, Jacob Abel will drive for his family team along with, uh, I'm trying to look for here, Colin Kaminsky, an American driver. And then let's see who else. Yeah, no. So that's for the Abel Motorsports team. Then Cape Motorsports, Enam Ahmed, who's a Middle Eastern guy, uh, will join, uh, what's it called? The Jagger Jones, the son of PJ Jones, the grandson of Parnelli Jones uh, at the Cape Motorsports team. HMD Motorsports, well, that's the, I'll wait on that one. Andretti Autosport does have a bunch of cars out there. Jamie Chadwick will be driving the DHL car this year, uh, moving from W Series and other formulas, the Williams Jr. driver. Lewis Foster and what's it called? Uh, Huntel McElray, the Australian, James Rowe, the Irishman. So that's a four-car team there. Junkos Hollander has Reese Gold, an American, and Matteo Nanini, an Italian driver, um, amongst their their effort and then hmd motorsports who has nine cars in this championship uh christian bogle you have ernie francis jr in his second year in indy lights danielle frost josh green rasmus lind josh pearson christian rasmussen nolan siegel that is a face um so rasmussen's and kiffin simpson uh so those those are the drivers there We'll see who comes out on top to start this season. HMD has the numbers. If they don't win the championship, it'd be pretty embarrassing. Uh, But we'll see what Jamie Chadwick can do or Ernie Francis Jr. Some of those drivers that stood out last year because a couple of those guys moved up to the IndyCar series this year. I mean, Linus Lundquist, who is a defending champion of the series, has nothing to show for it, which is pretty brutal. Uh, But hopefully that can be fixed eventually. We'll go and move towards the triple header at Las Vegas. I mean, Kyle Busch goes and wins at uh, California, so it kind of takes away somebody that I would think uh, that I would have chosen like straight away. But I mean, personally, I think he is a definite favorite for Las Vegas this coming weekend uh, i'm trying to bring up recent history at vegas best uh, uh finishers and whatever last 10 races at las vegas motor speedway the best average finish is a tie between martin truex jr and kyle bush a uh, 6.5 truex has one win in the last 10 there uh joey logano has won three of the last 10 races there and of course won the race to lock himself into the final four which led to his second championship brad keselowski former winner there kyle larson a couple years ago gagson actually finished uh 11th uh driving the 48 car last year uh, in his first start at vegas as a cup driver the vegas native uh kevin harvick uh ryan blaney alex bowman a former winner there harvick's former winner there in the last 10 races and denny hamlin too so those are just a few guys there um i mean this season's been it's been weird start so far josh but uh what do you look for here at las vegas who do you have as your picks for uh, winner and a wild card uh yeah i think this season i mean yeah like you said it's been a, kind of a weird start to the year but you know what i'm gonna go with kyle larson and it, it's it's a interesting pick and it's because well he's been pretty quick really um the start of the year i mean yeah daytona was one thing i mean they were up there for a bit but uh california um i mean kind of going back to the top of the show they 
they had really good pace, but they never were able to display that pace because they had the engine problems and they were 16 laps down. And, um, you know, they had uh, fast lap times throughout that race. Um, uh, I mean, they had uh, 22 of the, of the fast laps during that race and was in traffic 16 laps down. And uh, Larson, Larson was pretty quick in that final stretch, even though he was, you know, many laps down. So I think he carries over that speed, uh, from California over to Las Vegas. So, uh, you know, he has been really fast to start the year. So I'm going to pick him to take the, you know, win in Las Vegas. So we'll see, we'll see if it plays out, but, uh, wild card wise, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, uh, entry list here. Well, well, I'm looking at the yeah. points in terms of anybody from 19th on because there's yeah. really only 36 cars. And interesting, yeah, that's true. Top, Kyle Larson is outside of the top 18 in points yeah. currently. So, but it's but a- I don't think that should count though as yeah. a wild card. Uh, I think it should be because I think maybe a stipulation to that is top 20 in points or below top 20 in points, but they they were also below top 20 in points the previous year. Or something yeah. like that, because yeah. um, uh, I feel like you know early on there's a lot of anom- uh, anomalies back here, right? Because you have Chase Elliott is technically in 29th in points right now. Or wait, well, ra- no, freaking Racing Reference has not updated it. Oh my yeah, god! No, they're four. He's 14th in points behind Corey LaJoy. Um, yeah, of Keebler Gibbs um, is up there. In the top eighteen right now. Okay, yeah. Well, Cody yeah, look, Ware is twenty second in points yeah. ahead of Dylan and Larson and others. So right and everything. I mean, so yeah, it, it is. It is a bit of a tough, you know, go at it here. But yeah, yeah I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll go with I'll go with uh, Harrison Burton. Why not? Harrison Burton is a wild card this weekend. If we're going by that, I yeah, you know, I think um. He can be a pretty good wild card pick. Someone finished top fifteen, I think, in top ten potentially. But yeah, uh, should be an interesting one this weekend. Las Vegas, um, still so pretty early, and I think you know Gen Seven raced pretty well. Fontana, I think it you know really favors the mile and a half. So if they race like you know they've been racing on the mile and a half, it should be a pretty entertaining race. Yeah, I'd say so on that. I mean, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to move around on that track. So, and it was a track, and the one this package, this car did its best work on cookie cutter tracks, one and a half mile racetracks. There is hope for that. Uh, I'm going to pick Kyle Busch. I was planning on picking Kyle Busch this week, and I'm uh, going to follow through on that. Uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory uh, after last week. Um, they did good work on one-and-a-half-mile racetracks anyway. They're especially good on rougher one-and-a-half-mile racetracks, so there, there is that. Uh, my wild card pick for this week will be Ryan Priest because his results in a lot of ways do not show how good he really has been. Um, Daytona is kind of meh, but they were all up there. All the Stuart Oscars were up there at some point during the race. Um, he was, he had a decent car 
uh, at California and, uh, you know, and, and got involved in that multi-car wreck. Uh, they seem to be running on the right, they seem to be on the right wavelength. So I, it's a good opportunity race for him to go out there, get some good points and kind of start establishing uh, his season. Um, second part of the West Coast swing, going to Phoenix the following week, which I think is a racetrack that would definitely suit him, especially in a Stuart Haas car relative to what he's driven before. The um, current, so now we'll go to, we go to the Xfinity series 40 for 38 40 cars for 38 spots kyle bush will be making uh his first xfinity start in a couple of years uh driving the colleague number 10 you'll have uh joe graf again in the 19 tyler reddick will make another start in the 24 for sam hunt and uh, nothing else uh, the kyle season 38 okay so 20 yeah, I don't have that. um roger caruth will be running another race for uh alpha prime C.J. McLaughlin, unfortunately, will be out there in the 53. Mason Maggio will be in the 66 for Carl Long's Motorsports Business Management. Ryan Vargas has DNQ'd the first two races of the year. Looking to get in this week. uh, Garrett Smithley DNQ'd uh, at Daytona. Uh, I'm trying to see. I don't know who's in the 91. It kind of has a feeling like they're going to go and put Ross Chastain in it to be determined. And Alex LeBay is in the 28 for RSS. Again, yeah, a couple of cup drivers in there. Um, otherwise, the usual suspects this week. Um, Josh, you have the floor first because I made uh, the picks for cup first. Uh, yeah, uh, I think this weekend, you know, I'll go Kyle Busch. Uh, you know, first race back in the Xfinity series and since 2021, I think he goes out and wins, uh, first race, uh, racing for colleague racing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he goes out and gets this one wins, wins at the hometown, uh, first time. So he gets, uh, win, I think number 203 in the Xfinity series. So this weekend, so, uh, that's why I pick, uh, Wild card. Uh, I'm going to go with Kaz Grella and the 26. Uh, I thought they did pretty well at uh, Fontana. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, Fontana is pretty rough racetrack, obviously. And, you know, we've seen evidence of that. But Las Vegas is a kind of a wild or not wild card, but a definitely kind of a rough track, too, They since they last repaved it. So maybe that favors some of the more budget teams in terms of tire management and being able to stay up uh, towards some of the, you know, big dogs in this series. So, you know, I'll go with uh, Kaz Brawla in 26, and they're adjacent to, uh, I feel like their performance is somewhat adjacent to uh, Joe Gibbs as they are also Toyota. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I did pick Reddick last week and I went to hell, but that's a Sam Hunt car as well. I'm going to go and pick Cold Custard. Uh, he had a car to win last week. I think uh, the momentum is there. He wants to close the deal this week and he will uh, to establish a third uh, solid uh, contender. I mean, right now he's sixth in points, even with the the wreck that he was involved in. The two Stuart Oscars are fifth and sixth in points. Um, so that I'm picking Cole Custer to win the race. And then my wild card is going to be, uh, I mean, I can go there. I, might, I mean, it might as well. He's been consistent enough. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to last, so I'm going to go for it when I have the chance. Um, my wild card choice for this week will be uh, Sheldon Creed because he's good at one and a half mile racetracks. I mean, he was pushing really hard in recent later in the season there at the end of last season. He started kind of picking up 
on things and getting better. Uh, one of these days, he's going to get breakthrough. Why not at Las Vegas at a pseudo home racetrack for him? Uh, I think, uh, and it's going to be one of the last times I'm going to be able to probably pick that. So Creed, Wildcard, Xfinity. All right, Truck Series is back after a couple weeks off. Uh, they'll be racing their second race of the year. The 36 drivers for 36 spots, so no issues in terms of qualifying. Points, of course, are from uh, Daytona, so they've only run one race, so nothing really crazy there. Entry list, Kaz Grahl will be driving for Tricon Garage along with John Hunter Nemechek. Grahl in the 1, John Hunter in the 17. The Grays will be running. Uh, Tanner Gray is going to be in the 15. Uh, Taylor, I think, is supposed to run the 17 after this this race. Um, And then Corey Heim, of course, in the 11. Ross Chastain will be in the 41 for Nice Motorsports. Brennan Poole will be in the G2G uh, dumpster fire. And Kyle Busch will be driving his own 51 truck with Brian Patty at the helm. Well, since Josh picked Kyle Busch to win in his first Xfinity race back in a couple of years to be number 103, um, I'm going to pick Kyle Busch to win the truck race and win number 60, whatever the hell it is at this point, 8,000 races. So um, he's the all-time winner in two of the three major NASCAR categories. So I pick him to win this weekend. He won all every race that he ran last year uh, in a truck. So why not continue that trend? Uh, Kyle Busch will be my pick for that. The wild card selection. Hmm, I have to go and look at this because in theory, yeah, there's a lawless Allen didn't make the show or he got penalized. That happened. Oh, Wallace Allen failed to qualify. Jesus, sucks. Um, wild card pick. I mean, Mason Massey's on there twice. That's uh, double trouble. Um, I think the wild card for me would be. Uh, I can't do that. I'm gonna go with Raja. I'm gonna go with Raja Karuth. Um, limited experience, of course, in a truck. It is wild. He did get in a wreck with his teammate Daniel Die there late in the race at Daytona, but. He does have arc experience on the one and a half mile racetracks. He proved pretty good at them last year to finish in the top five, top three in points. So uh, maybe I think he finished second. Definitely top three. Um, Nick Sanchez is doubled up too. So good job by NASCAR doubling up some of these drivers. Um, so Carruth is my wild card. Kyle Busch is my winner. So what say you, Josh, on the truck race? Yeah, I, I truck race. Um, I mean, you obviously I was thinking about Kyle Busch as well in the, uh, the truck race, but, uh, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, Ben Rhodes, uh, had it, I feel like, you know, he had a good truck a couple of years ago in this, uh, at this track, uh, but couldn't quite get it done. So I'm going to pick him. I think, you know, he's good in everything. I, um, would have liked to pick Kyle Busch, but yeah, I don't think, I think he's going to be a little bit tougher now. He's not in a, a Toyota, uh, anymore and with all the, you know, power, I think there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, struggles a little bit in the truck series it's not going to be quite as easy as it's always been for him even you know being uh you know with the winningest driver you know ever in the truck series but uh wild card uh you know i'm gonna go with Haley deegan wild card um you know she did pretty good in her xfinity debut last uh time they raced at las vegas back in september um you know it has she hasn't really done too well in her truck career but um i think Las Vegas um, probably fits well for her driving style, whatever that is. Uh, so um, we'll pick uh, Haley Deegan to uh, do something in uh, as a wild card this weekend. So an all uh, Thor sport 
uh, selection there for Josh. So uh, if you're a betting person, uh, he's saying that the Thorsport team is going to do well. And there is, I mean, I think the last race they were there, Thorsport trucks were all really, really good. So there is validity to that. I think Ekis driving for Thorsport won there. Ty Majeski won. I think Ty Majeski won at Vegas last year in the second race. I might be wrong, but I feel like Ty Majeski. It was uh, Chandler Smith winning uh, last year at Las Vegas. Okay, so there you go. So I'm already um, incorrect on that, but it's all right. Uh, what is it, Vegas? I thought they ran two races, so they only run one. All right, yeah. yeah. Smith. I mixed it up with Bristol. All right, my fault. Because Ty yeah. he won, and, and Homestead, he won two out of the last four races there. So, all right, there's that. So got through all the picks, got through the, I mean, like previews. I mean, we know what the track is. It's a rougher racetrack, older racetrack. I think the Xfinity race is going to be pretty interesting. A lot of a deeper field. Cup is a very deep field, 400 miles with like bright sun on the racetrack. They'll actually have to race a little bit. They'll have to drive it a little bit. Truck series race will be under the lights with the downforce and all they have. They're going to have a lot of drafting going on. Uh, let us know what's going on in the world of iRacing there josh and other uh gaming and your sim segment of course yeah uh in this i mean past week i did a lot of auto club of course had to get my time in uh before the end of auto club uh, i actually have no idea if uh you know they're gonna change up auto club and or you know fontana and change it up to the short track if they ever do or if they're gonna have leave it as like a legacy track uh, for people to play on because it's you know it's really fun on iRacing um, as as it is in real life to drive this track uh, two mile oval you know with uh, the top the top is really like where I like to run but you know you can also generate massive runs on the bottom if you um, time it right and everything and so you know for me yeah I ran I ran Fontana a couple weeks ago with the Arca car when they were uh, racing on. Uh, that schedule uh, for that series and you know was really able to drive it deep into the corner and um you know get just tap the brake just a little bit and get right back into the gas and uh you know just get a lot of momentum off of uh you know turn two and turn four and then uh you know this past week applied kind of the same principle in the xfinity car and the truck uh as well so uh, ran ran pretty well. I felt like uh, for the most part. I mean, there's a couple of races where I got got wrecked, but you know, because um, um, you know, just uh, bounced off the wall too hard off a of turn four, trying to make the top work and sliding up into it. But you know, uh, just try to get in, uh, trying to you know do make things happen. I guess uh, with uh, the top, uh, it's you know one of my favorite tracks, of course, and running running up top. Uh, like they do in real life is uh, you know a lot of fun, and then managed to get in one of the cup events as well, and ran you know ran up up into the you know top five for most of the race there, and I think finished in the top ten uh, in the cup uh, race that I decided to try uh, on i racing with um, uh, Fontana, and you know raced again raced the top, and um, really uh, a, a lot of the top five. Uh, and that one did as well. So that was that was pretty fun. And uh, honestly, is uh, just a lot of fun racing uh, there. So hopefully, I racing keeps the layout, the old two mile layout in the game. And you know, if they decide to, because I think they did design a short track uh, for uh, Fontana uh, 
that I think was the maybe the initial design for uh, the racetrack that they were going to uh, build in real life. Uh, but, you know, definitely um, do hope that they keep the original layout for sure. Uh, and, yeah, I think this week, um, iRacing, for me, uh, I think they have the 87 cars are at Road America, so that should be interesting, uh, which I've never raced that on, on Road America. Um, so you know, looking forward to seeing what, what that's, what that's like this week. Um, the cup truck and, uh, Xfinity all at Las Vegas motor speedway. Uh, so maybe you might try that one out later in the week. We'll see, um, in terms of road racing, uh, or well, we'll start off with, yeah. Uh, yeah. Road racing, uh, GT three at Ferrari GT three at Fuji international speedway. Um, you have the Spec Racer at Oron Park, uh, Mazda MX-5 at WeatherTech International Raceway, Indy Pro 2000s at Watkins Glen, um, uh, let's see, uh, GT4 at Road America as well, um, yeah, Open Wheel USF 2000s at Watkins Glen, uh, yeah, trying to look, trying to look through this, see if there's anything else, uh, to look at here, uh, yeah, uh, think um trying to see what indy car is at oval racetrack uh you have uh open wheel c so kentucky yeah indy car racing at kentucky so that should be interesting i've raced there a couple times uh it's uh, not all that great but you're in the throttle for most of it but you can make it work so maybe you might try that but yeah i mean We'll see what I can do this week on iRacing. Uh, kind of interested to try the 87 at Road America. Should be kind of like Watkins Glen in a way. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting because I've never run it on that on that track. So I'll have to try it out uh, uh, in some of the other tracks. But uh, in terms of news this week, uh, they, I mean, if you saw Dale Jr.'s Instagram earlier today, uh, they had the 80, the, uh, late models the cars late model tour um posted a video of doing some testing at the virtual north wilkesboro speedway so they've got the current cars late model that they ran in that or that they run in that series uh i think it's replacing the chevy monte carlo ss that's currently in the game as a late model but it's going to be um cars late model tour now officially on iRacing, and now uh i think it's officially um a series in the game so the iRacing cars late model stock tour and it's a partnership with iRacing being the official racing game of the cars tour uh, of course based on uh junior motorsports uh cars late model talk cars late model stock tour entry um of course carson quapel won driver and owners championship with that team 3100 pounds 400 horsepower uh of course, Dale Jr., own iRace or well, executive director and owner of Junior Motorsports and the Cars Tour, uh, hands on the development, spending hours testing and giving feedback to help tune the car to match its real world, real world counterpart. And of course, the game screenshots have Dale Jr. and his sun drop car from back in September, which, you know, pretty cool design there. So, um, yeah, this should be pretty exciting, you know, with, uh, you know, the efforts that, you know, the cup drivers are putting into, uh, the cars tour of course we talked about that earlier late model racing trying to put a lot of effort into that um seems like so should be interesting to see you know what uh tracks that they have on the game for uh 
the car store, of course. So I might have to pick up this car and try it out. But uh, yeah, it should be a, a lot of fun to you know ride around uh, and race against other people in the short track. And you know, talked about Dale Jr. racing him on online a couple years ago in the '87 car. I'm sure he'll be trying out the uh, car's late model car um, there. So you might might run into him there if I ever have the opportunity. So we'll see. But should be should be fun uh, to try out. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's it uh, this week on uh, Sim segment. I don't think there's anything anything else uh, to bring up. But um, you know, it's mainly i racing. Um, maybe someday the IndyCar console game will come out, and maybe we'll try it once it's on sale for ten bucks or something. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll uh, find out eventually. But um, yeah, uh, that's that's all I got for sim racing this week. And of course, you can follow sim racing all my stuff uh, at uh, Twitch TV slash Usailor Two, which you know follow my streams and I decide to hop on and uh, stream all my uh, racing games and all that stuff. Go on there, follow uh, Twitch TV slash Usailor Two, and then of course uh, to close out the show uh, that and um, my Twitter JP Huffine, of course, where I'll have all my takes and you know uh, if I do decide to bet on one of these races because apparently I've been pretty good over the years. Uh, I don't know if I'll do it or not, but if I do and I decide I have a good pick and I put it on there, I'll post the pick and the bet, I guess, and then we'll see. Uh, we'll live track, I guess, and see if I got it right or whatever for for that week. Of course, bet responsibly, and you know, of course, bet what you can afford to lose and don't bet any money that you're emotionally tied to not financial advice or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, definitely, um, should be interesting, uh, this weekend at at Las Vegas and, you know, at Bahrain and St. Pete, we'll see if I go to St. Pete. Uh, I haven't decided yet, but, uh, we'll see if I go and of course, follow our YouTube page, Grip Shirt Podcast. Go and subscribe to the page. We our content. We our videos from the past couple, you know, months, weeks, uh, whenever. Uh, see our latest stuff, which has been up there now uh, this past week. So go on there and uh, subscribe to our page, and you know, like, comment, and subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel as well. And um, you know, follow our content, uh, you know, on that we have, whether it's on uh, the Spotify or Apple or whatever wherever you consume your podcast and um you'll follow our page on twitter as well so yeah i'll give it hand it over to you for the rest of the close phil absolutely man thanks as always for uh, uh great great content and great uh support as all for uh being the um back end guy in terms of how the show goes and also with all your insights so i'm always thankful that you're here with me as my sidekick you're able to go and balance things out here on the gsp you can find me at philip g matthew on twitter you can find us at grip strip pod on twitter as josh said you can basically find us and find the grip strip podcast anywhere you take in your podcast uh the youtube page grip strip podcast of course go and watch us doing the show um by on the video stream and then uh yeah we're gonna be back for episode 159 next week going over all three major series uh races uh that's indycar nascar formula one then we'll also get into xfinity and trucks uh the roundup will get into f2 f3 and uh some of the other in indian xt 
what uh, that took place this past, this weekend, coming weekend. Probably might have some IMSA news since we're getting closer to the, the 12 hours of Sebring. We didn't really get into some of the news because they actually announced the entry list for the Le Mans 24 hours. Might get into that if we have a little bit of time. Uh, and whatever else is going on in the world of motorsports and sports, we'll bring it up here on the Grip Strip Podcast. We thank you for listening. Go and uh, support, like, subscribe. Uh, hit us up on our socials so that we can uh, keep improving, keep getting better. Maybe we'll start going, uh, going, putting merch out since uh, I'm I'm a spirit animal, supposedly based on uh, what um, Jared, who runs the Grid Talk uh, deal, believes. So um, I might end up wearing that shirt on here, uh, and we'll see about that. But uh, for that, for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care. We'll see you next week. Enjoy all the racing. Take Josh's advice, especially with the betting. Um, and um, though he is really good at what he, he he's really good at it. So definitely, if you're going to take picks, definitely take it. Um, but with that, uh, we will uh, see you next week. Take care. God bless and goodbye.